Welcome to Form of Passion, episode 82. I want to thank everybody once again for joining us. Uh, if this is your first time, uh, and, and it might be your first time, you know, be it as this is, this is not our first international guest today, but it's our first, uh, I think, overseas uh, guest, like non-North American continent guest. So, so uh, big, big things going on over here. Maybe this is your first time. Welcome. This is Form of Passion. This is an interview podcast uh, about people in the hardcore punk and metal world that have shaped and have been shaped by their various corners. My name is Ace Stallings. This is currently being fil- uh, being recorded, rather uh, in uh, you know in, in Northern California by way of Richmond, Virginia, and also in Sydney, Australia. Uh, at the top of these episodes, we want to shout out everybody that helps fund this podcast going forward. Uh, those are the people that subscribe to our Patreon feed. That's at www.patreon.com slash form of passion. If you go over there, you can uh, subscribe for $2 a month. You're going to get an additional episode uh, on the last Friday of each month where we're going over just different topics. We're talking records. We're analyzing shows. We're just, we have different guests on and just kind of chop things up over there. Um, we always, uh, like I said, shout out people that subscribe since the last mainline episode. And if I can remember anything that they're, if any kind of project that they're involved in, be it a band, maybe another podcast, uh, you know, maybe they're a promoter or they run a record label or something. I'll do my best to remember to shout that out. Um, so most recently we had, uh, Owen Pasolish. Uh, thank you very much for joining us, Owen. And, uh, we had Maddie Solberg. Um, I hope I'm saying your last name correctly. Actually, Maddie hit me up recently, uh, or today rather. He's in a band called Hypocrite uh, in Denmark, I want to say. Um, and uh, that that might be incorrect. Cope, he's in Copenhagen. Uh, but uh, he hit me up. He's doing a band. This is this is wild. Didn't know this. He's doing a band with uh, ex members of Government Warning and Stop and Think over there. Um, it's a rich Perusi from stop and think drums in this band hypocrite, as well as Parsons, who is in government warning. I was in a band called time to escape. He, I'm probably wrong about this. I'm just associating this with DC. He might've even been in Coke bus or something. Uh, but he was like a DCHC type dude. And I, I guess he, he, you know, moved over to, to Europe. Um, but I, I sampled some tracks. It sounds cool. Uh, I think it's on band cramp band camp under a hypocrite punk. Uh, dot bandcamp.com. I'm sure if you look up hypocrite Copenhagen Bandcamp, you'll be able to find it. Uh, but check that out. It was cool. Uh, good punk stuff. And uh, also want to give a, a promotion rather. Uh, there's a grip of gigs going on uh, that I, I got a hand in in Richmond uh, next week and some, uh, some MAD stuff uh, on the 13th. Got a heavy metal gig at the warehouse. If you need to get the address there for Richmond, um, that you can message the Instagram at Richmond Hardcore Shows on there for the address. But it's it's the tour that's going around right now. It's Creeping Death, 200 Stab Wounds, Age of Apocalypse, Division of Mind, and Tribal Gaze. Division of Mind is a local on that one. Uh, a, a you know They haven't done a lot of local stuff in Richmond recently. So go to that gig, message that page, get the address, roll through. Uh, a few days later, uh, we got at the Canal Club. You can get tickets to this on the Canal Club website. It's the Vein Regulate Candy uh, Living Weapon Tour. And the local we have on that one is Killing Pace. They're doing big shit right now. Uh, they're fucking awesome. Check you know, check out that gig. Get tickets to that. I know they've been kind of moving steady for a while. I don't know if that one will sell out. Uh, Canal Club downstairs is a big room, but it'll definitely be a good time. And uh, then on my end, uh, the 17th and 18th, Mutually Assured Destruction, playing some East Coast shows. 
We got a, a Jersey record release date and a Richmond record release date. The Jersey one on the 17th is going to be in New Brunswick at Cinco de Mayo. That's going to be with Combust, Never Again, and Curate. It's going to be a rocking one roll through if you're in the Jersey area. And then the next day is our Richmond, our homecoming show, a Richmond record release date. Uh, that's got the old guard, new guard feel to it. That's Mutually Sure Destruction. You got Naysayer, got Blazing Tomb, and uh, opening is Private Hell. You got Hardcore Punk and Metal all in one gig. Uh, come through. Campbell's not a giant room, so that, that's going to fill up nice. Uh, but yeah, you know, and also uh, the, the man himself from Forum, Sam, is going to be playing drums for MAD in Jersey. So if you want to come and hang out, talk about the podcast or whatever, that's where we're going to be. Roll through. Uh, looking forward to seeing everybody. But more importantly, all that stuff out of the way, want to, you know, get, get down with the man himself. We have on today, Mr. Jim Speed of Gang Called Speed. Jim, how you doing, sir? I'm fantastic, Ace. Thank you, you and Ace. Uh... And, and Sam for having me here. Is that honor? <laughs> I mean, hey, it's an honor to have you as well. Uh, I uh, I got the honor of being able to catch one of the the uh, rare speed, uh, you know, USA performances recently, and you know, thought I was like, this this is a guy I got to have on. You, I mean, you you brought it up to me when you when you, you brought up that you listened to when you brought you, you talked to me, and I was like, oh, I mean. If if this is somebody like on on literally the other side of the planet listening to what we do over here, we got to have them on. Um, so you know, here we are, bro. But uh, Absolutely. are you now? We talked a little bit about kind of your like like a little bit about like you know where you kind of were in like your childhood and stuff. Mm. Are you b- originally born in Sydney? Yeah, 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 yeah. Born and raised in Sydney, bro. Um, same story with everybody else in speed. Um, funny, like kind of funny. Like, I, I, it's it's firstly it's, it's it's a privilege to be on this, bro. Especially like hearing that it's the first international guest. You know what I mean? I, oh yeah, we've had Canada, but never never like a non North American. So you're number one there. Yeah, that's a, that's that's a, that's amazing. Like yeah, just listening to the podcast for a long time, and like all our friends over here, like big fans and everything, and you know we spent all our lives kind of really looking up to and, 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 and honoring American hardcore for so long. And, and, you know, with that, we, we, we spent a lot of time listening to the podcast like this and just hearing about all these like fictional characters that almost seems, you know, through this yeah. and, and learning about kind of like the internet that you're seeing and, uh, you know, being the first one here from overseas, it's, it's interesting because I, I don't know if many people really know the, the geography or like the history of Australia and what that really looks like. Cause I don't really think that maybe many people even know outside of Australia that much, um, or are that familiar with with Australian hardcore? So uh, I was I was thinking about like how how I would like kind of spell this out in terms of you know the story and and, and all that. But Sydney is kind of a a really big city, yeah, and mm-hmm. it's 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 a massive country, Australia itself. But the population is obviously small, and Sydney is one of the major hubs. But it's kind of sectionalized into different um, different hubs, I would say within within Sydney as well, almost like smaller little cities within Sydney. It's like okay. two and a half hours, like from one side of Sydney to the other. So it's like oh, massive, you know what I mean? Wow. That, yeah. That's, that's, that's like, that's definitely massive. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's huge. Yeah. And we, I, I don't know what the population is, maybe like 6 million or something. It's something around that, but okay. I, I was born kind of like in the Northwest side, um, for a few years and for a few years after that, sorry, when I was about four, funnily enough, um, my family actually moved to Silicon Valley. 
That's what you told me. I was, I was, I found that super interesting considering how we like weren't that when, when you and I met in person, we like weren't that physically far away from there at all. Literally. When I told my dad, I was like, man, we're going to, we're going to play in San Jose. He was like, you're going to visit Steve Jobs' grave? You know, you, you, you're going to go back to the, the old, to the old joint. I was like, no, dude, I'm playing shows, man. Like I'm going to be there for one day. Like, I'm, um, but it, I didn't even really realize it at the time I'm, uh, that, you know, what we were doing there. Like my dad was a programmer, right? Like a computer programmer during the tech boom in the 90s. So funnily enough, like we had this insane opportunity, obviously, for my family to move there. So myself and my brother, Aaron, who plays bass and speed, and I found I was about four when we moved to Silicon Valley, spent about two years there. And it's funny because I do, I do actually have like some memories of it, of like hummingbirds, you know, hummingbirds because oh, yeah. they, can, they can just fly in one spot. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. They can just, they're the only bird. <laughs> Like the only bird they can like fly one spot and they're like squirrels. Are, um, wait, are, are there not, do you not have like this? So, so like, I'm going to learn a lot about Australia doing yeah. like this interview in general. Do you not yeah. have hummingbirds there? <laughs> nah. Crazy. No nah, squirrels bro, either? Nah, nah. We got possums, bro. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, we got possums. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, back when I was living more like, uh, I, like when I'm on the East Coast, see possums mm. and stuff. But damn, no hummingbirds, no squirrels. I mean, y'all have... Y'all have wild animals in general, though, that nobody else has. So I that's I, I think that's like a big part of Australia's reputation, right? Like with Steve Irvin and that, like yes. with all the the animals and the flora and fauna that we ex, that we export, like uh, mm-hmm. like a commercially or whatever. Or not commercially, but you know, in the image of of Australian identity. Um, but you know, where we live in Sydney, it's it's very it's uh it's very urban, right? Okay, like, we we live right next to the bush and everything, and it's really beautiful you know, within, you know, in our backyard almost, it's kind of like a bush, but it is very bourbon and built up. It's not this situation where we're riding kangaroos to school. Okay. Everyone listening. No. Uh, well, like so, that. Yeah. That's what I'm curious about. Is that you talk about like the, you talk about like the bush, like, like, is that like, like, what is that? Like, is that like, like massive forest or like, okay. Yeah, so, gotcha. so like di- different parts of Australia have obviously kind of different climates and different kind of um, outdoor environments, but you know, the, the, most of the cities are along the East Coast, okay? So, okay. you've got, like, Brisbane, which is in Queensland, mm-hmm. and, like, Sydney, that's a bit, that's, like, 10 hours, 12 hours south. Yep. 10 hours south of that is Melbourne, all around the coast. So, it's all coastal. We've got beaches and everything, all, like, incredible beaches and that. But then we also have, like, rainforests that are, that, that are amongst that, kind of, like, in Queensland. But here in Sydney, we have a mixture of, like, qui- of like rainforests and just, like, national parks. Okay, like big gotcha. That. So, when I say bush, it's, like, it's not necessarily, like, a... I guess Australian version of a forest is like, well, it's kind of hard to say, man, to be honest, because, you know, what I know is just from, you know, when you live it, you don't really think about it, but sure, yeah. I guess American bush is like mad woody, you know? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Big trees and... That's the thing is like, even living on like me, when I'm on my West coast, so I'm on my West coast spot by comparison, to my East coast spot, I like, don't think about it until I like go to the other one. And I'm like, yeah. Oh, the plants are completely different here. Like, yeah. So I, I, I know I, I get what you're saying when you don't think about it when you're around it all the time. That's right. Yeah. And okay. I, well, funnily enough, you know, like the, okay. The, the kind of climate and the feeling of Sydney it is very similar to LA. Okay. California in the sense yeah. that it's, it's, it's hot. You've got the beaches and all that. Yep. You know, like you, LA's got the palm trees all through there, you know, so it's like tropical in that sense. But then we do have like in our, in our backyard, like away from the coast, you just have these like bush, bushland, which is like, you have like, you know, I guess like wombats and kangaroos and everything. Like, like for example, where I live, it's like, if you walk out my door right now, it feels like a mini Chinatown, you know, like oh, crazy. Okay. centers and just like mad urban and all that kind of stuff. And like very street, but then you can literally go 
five, 10 minutes, you know, just five, 10 minutes and you're just in a massive bushland, you know, and another 15 minutes another way and you're at the beach. So it's like, interesting. Kind of, yeah, it's kind of built in between that. But um, that's kind of what it's like. And it's, it's, uh, it, the, I, I think the extreme of what people think of Australia is with like the insects and everything and like crocodiles and that. It's like more when you go into like the outback kind of region or like towards like Northern Territory, like in Northern Territory, which uh, they actually get like crocodiles like coming into like their schools and stuff and just like oh, on the wow. street, you know, more, okay. like, you don't get that here, not where we are. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it is very safe. So in terms of that, in, in terms of like the animals and that, but. Is, yeah. is, your fa- is your family like originally from like that area or had they come there from somewhere, somewhere else? So I'm first generation uh, Chinese, Malaysian, Australian. Okay. So my parents, uh, my, my parents moved here separately when they were, um, when they were at the end of high school, they came by themselves from Malaysia. And okay. when I say Chinese, Malaysian, uh, Malaysia is kind of like made up of three main ethnicities, um, or ethnic, ethnic cultures and Chinese is one of them. And so like my, my, my dad would be like fifth or sixth generation Chinese living in Malaysia. Gotcha. And um, my grandparents, you know, they, they come from a very, 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 very small, like, old town um, that's, like, literally in the jungle. And my grandparents kind of just saved up all of their money, like, all of their lives just to send, like, their sons to here one at a time just to have a better educa- education in that. And, I see. And then, yeah, then they birthed us here. And um, so Aaron and I and my younger sister, yeah, we're, we're first gen. And, um, and then, yeah, so... I guess going back to where we were like at four being in like uh, in America, like it was, that was, that was a time that I do remember. That was um, a really, really momentous time in, in my family story, I guess, because, you know, it's a huge thing for immigrant families, I guess, to send their children for a better life to a Western country. And then right. it's another massive thing for them to kind of level up and be able to go to America. Like my dad always talks about how incredible like that experience was. And he fell in love with basketball and my dad loves sports and that. And all of that kind of stuff fell in love with all of that. And then like also developed this love for country music. Which oh, I do not share. Unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Damn. Crazy oh that he God. fell in love with that. in like, especially in the Silicon Valley. Cause it's like, I don't, I, I guess you, you, uh, I, he would have found it on like a radio or something, you know, what have you around here. But like, I, I feel like I, I like, I like never hear that stuff out here, but yeah, no, I hear you. I, I don't like a lot of country myself. So I think it was just, just a, a lot of, a lot of, um, a lot of respect for the, the, I guess the magnitude of American culture and sure. and what that, what that, what that is. And just being there was a huge thing. And I remember going to Disneyland and fully tripping out and just, I just had, yeah, I had a, I had a, I had a really, really, really privileged childhood, man. Like I'm really, really blessed um, being able to experience that. And then came back here after two years um, and then spent like my whole life here in Sydney, man, just grew up. You, you know, so you're the, the oldest, of your siblings, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, it, sometimes like, when I talk to people on here, it's like, like when it, it goes into their journey through music, they've like had like an older sibling that might've gotten them into stuff, you know, what have you. Maybe sometimes parents are, you know, or, or, or something of that nature. What was your, your, your relationship with music when you were like a child? Mm. Um, it's, it's funny thinking about it because I was not in a musical house at all. Um, and my parents didn't necessarily expose me to music really at all. But 
if I really try and break down the psychology, which led to like the pathways of me like getting into music and like this, um, I had like very different parents in terms of like the Asian experience because my parents were extremely open-minded oh, and okay. they, they recognized that coming to Australia, you know, they want other than, I guess a lot of other maybe Asian parents and immigrant parents where they really want to kind of keep all of the traditional values from, from where they, where they're from like intact. They wanted to balance that, but with a priority of us uh, embracing Western culture and being very, and they knew that that part of that was being progressive, you know, and they wanted us to fit in. And because of that as well, they, they really just taught me to, to find what I love in life and just follow that. And they pushed me to do things and to be confident and everything. And, and I found myself like at a young age, like entering in like talent quests. Like I was that kind of kid that like, is that the talent quest going on in like year four, year five? Like I put my hand up and like, I remember like, you know, I, 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 for some reason just fell in love with like when the Eminem show came out, bro. I was like, I love that CD. Sure. And like, I just fell in love with that. And like, I don't know why. And then which, do you remember like which record or like the, isn't it, is it called the Eminem show? The, the, like the, okay. So yeah, there's, there's Marshall Mathers LP. And then there's what the Slim Shady LPs before that, and I want to say the Eminem show is the one out. How old are you? I would have been like nine or ten. Okay, so that was probably like mid two thousands, if yeah, I'm thinking correctly. Like two, it would have been like two thousand two or something like that. Okay, so my, yeah, because I I remember around the same time being into the Marshall Mathers LP. Uh, maybe like a tiny bit before that. So yeah, 2002. All right, I got Something you. Yeah, like that. Like my mm-hmm. my memory is also really bad, bro. And like oh, especially dude. with details. Like it's, I listen to the, I listen to, I listen to like how you you are so like encyclopedic with everything, and I'm like, man, like this guy's a weapon, bro. Like I, I wish I could have a mind like that sometimes. But oh, dude, it's, it's one of it's one of, only for hardcore punk and metal. Everything <laughs> else, I'm a complete idiot about. So don't worry about it. <laughs> well, even on that, bro, my, my 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 mind is spaced out, but. It's one of those records anyway, and just like I'd be the kind of kid that put my hand up and I'd be on stage just like mouthing the words with a backing track by myself. Just sure. I don't know why. I just, oh, I, I get my, my parents have videos of me, I guess, when I was a kid, like doing like heaps of Michael Jackson impressions. Oh, cool. Like growing up, I was doing heaps of Michael Jackson impressions and, 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 um, and uh, kung fu impressions. I was really like really in love with kung fu movies and stuff as a kid growing up. Do you remember what um, you were watching, like kung fu movie wise? Um, like a big one was Wong Fei Hong. Wong Fei Hong okay. was just like it's just I don't know if, if people really know that, but that was just like uh, one of the ones I guess kind of that wasn't as like Hollywood as Jackie Chan or whatever. Um, but things like that, and then like the Little Ninjas when that came out, and just oh, yeah. karate. I love and, that shit. Yeah, yeah, man, all that kind of stuff. I just just love that, and I don't know. I guess my parents just let us just be crazy and just like you know do that kind of thing and just film us on their VHS and and that and. Anyway, so I was just, I don't know, I was just kind of raised to just, you know, be confident and just put myself out there and just do it. And, you know, after, yeah, after like Eminem or whatever, I, I remember the first CD I ever bought was um, a Teenage Dirtbag Weed a single. Oh, yeah. It's like literally okay. just the single. I don't know why. I remember I got that and it came with like two or three other songs, like a remix and then like a... I don't even know, radio edit version or just, I don't even, you know, like one of those things. Yeah, sure. I know exactly like, what you're talking about. Really skinny jewel case. Mm-hmm. I remember just thrashing that and just jumping on my bed and that. And then, and then soon after that, like, a, a, a like, uh, I, I also fell in love with, um, with like Avril Lavigne. That was when like Skater Boy. And oh that came out. yeah. <laughs> oh 
Oh yeah, man. I mean, it's just like, yo, it's like that, that stuff was everywhere. Like, um, and it, it's like, you talk about like the, that we just, cause I remember watching the Wii's music video. I want to say like Mina Savari is in it. If I remember correctly, and like there was like a, like a movie. Like, cause I, that was kind of back when like they would make music videos that were like also in conjunction with like a movie. They don't, I feel like they don't really do that anymore. I don't know if you remember that when like you were a kid. And I remember, I think there was this movie called like loser or something. And I, and I, it was like, it was like promoting like that movie or something, but it's like, I, I remember like that Avril Lavigne, like that whole, that kind of like whole time period. So I, I know exactly what you're talking about, man. It's like, it was like pop music back then, right? But it's like guitar based, you know, it's when guitar yeah. music was really at the forefront, you know? And so, you know, I mentioned that because I guess that was me kind of just like clicking onto guitar music. And then, you know, my first concert I ever went to period was Avril Lavigne concert when I was like 10 or 11. And my cousin took me and my brother and my brother would have been like eight. And I remember he just, he was just sleeping on the chair the whole time while we were standing on our chair, watching from the very back, looking at Avril Lavigne like an ant, like, you know, so far away from the Oh stage. yeah. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> Aaron wasn't in it. Nah, bro. He just came along. Like we just did everything together. He just came with me, yeah. but he was fully out, bro. He, he's the kind of guy that sleeps anywhere, bro. He's got mad sleep apnea. Oh shit. He just sleeps anywhere. Closes, he like closes his eyes for two seconds and he's out. And so even back then, yeah, he was just on the chair, passed out while well, I was just like thrashing scared boy and complicated and that. And then, um, and then, and then from there, man, it was Lincoln Park. Oh, like Lincoln dude. Park, year, year five, year six was 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 really the first heavy thing i heard bro and that changed the game man like, like what like hybrid theory yeah 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 um and then and then meteora and then um and then the, the jay-z um mm-hmm. the, uh, uh collab and like it's funny man because like lincoln park has like a a mad affinity with asians eh? like dude <laughs> like, they do <laughs> yeah they do <laughs> For me, I didn't feel it at all as an Asian thing. I felt it as if it was like, this is like harder. It's like almost like, like I get the Eminem kind of thing. Like it was like, I heard rap before, but this has like, this has a guitar too, but it's like, this has got more, more aggro to it. It's got more swag to it. Like mm-hmm. it just had all these things going on. It was a little bit emotional. I like, I remember I had a sketchbook. I was held into like drawing and that I was drawing like, you know, portraits of Chester and, and stuff and just like oh, cool. doing my own logos and stuff like that. And, and uh, and then also like you know doing talent quest where I would just get up there and sing like Lincoln Park songs like then just do a dance routine and uh, which what tracks were you like what, what which ones were you hitting do you remember I, re- I the one I only remember doing I did a couple times but the one only one I really remember doing was um this song called Faint oh like, dude Faint rock. rips yeah like yeah, and had a, yo yeah. it it's crazy like I I like look back at that that record and like that time period and it's like. Yo, hybrid theory, like it kind of didn't matter what you were into, but if you were under a certain age, everybody liked that record. Like, yeah. like it didn't matter if you were into rock music or pop music or whatever, everybody liked that record. And I, I, yeah. think I remember telling somebody one time, I like, I only had some songs downloaded from, I didn't actually have the CD, but I remember I bought the CD to give to somebody for like their birthday. And after, <laughs> and after the birthday, I was like, Damn, I kind of wish I had just like not given it. <laughs> wish I had kept that shit for for my fucking that, self, man. But that yeah. homie was better be looking back on that to, by yeah, today man, and being dude. like, man, Ace hooked me up ah, when I was a kid. Like, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, dude, that shit. I mean, like, I remember the music videos were cool, and I remember it was it was like 
like uh i mean the only, the only like i'm trying to give like you're right though there was this this like asian affinity with lincoln park and i'm trying mm. i think was mr han the only mike was shinoda. the dj the only asian person or mike shinoda okay there you go that, that that's like it mr. i think it's like the mr han thing and the mike shinoda thing and then the yeah. whole anime thing like the whole yeah. like like uh because they were kind of doing that before that was in like the mainstream purview really yeah, it just had this kind of aesthetic to it that seemed like, I don't know, a bit urban Asian or whatever. So Urban Asian is a great way to describe that, yeah. It was funny because, like, I was, like, onto that, and then I go into Playground, and, like, m- you know, growing up, like, most of, pretty much all my life, all my friends have just been Caucasian. I didn't mm-hmm. have heaps of Asian friends, and there weren't even that many Asians at all, really, uh, around when I was younger. Not like now in, in Australia, it's like, hell, Asians everywhere. Really? But um, when I was younger, like there wasn't that many. You just pretty much just have like a few nerdy ones in the playground. I remember going out to the playground and playing handball, and like all the nerds that you would see that would like Asian nerds that would be into like you know the ones that you would, would be at the top of the math class. Like they're all pumping Lincoln Park too, though. Um, exactly. But not know anything else, you know. So that's how I clicked. I was like, My Asians are onto this in some way. Like, um, this is for us. This is for us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is ours. Yeah. Yeah. Shit. But that was the he- that was like the first quote unquote heavy thing I heard, and then yeah, and then really after that, um, I when after I, when I heard that, I started to learn the guitar, and um, I had a um, I had a a family friend, uh, my parents who, who was from the same hometown as my parents. His, his parents were from the same hometown as my parents, and he was um. He was like kind of like a guitar like prodigy. He would he taught okay. himself, but he was just super intelligent and just literally like a like a virtuoso. And I really looked up to him. He had like mad long hair, and he was like on all this metal shit that I didn't know about. And anyways, I I really looked up to him. He's a legend. Shout out Kian if you ever hear this. Like I haven't spoken to him in years, but he really put me on this path. And he he made me a CD, a compilation CD, like burnt me one called Mo Metal Than Your Mama's Kettle. Okay. And like he, he just like wrote that with a sharpie on it, yeah. And it had like Chimera, Children of Bodom, Killswitch Engage, Okay, Fly. That like um, that like like uh, I, I'm trying to like there was like a something that called like kind of like new wave of American heavy metal that kind of included like that like like Killswitch Engage sound that like Lamb of God sound and like that like mid 2000s there so I know yeah. exactly what you're talking about yeah 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 mad like Roadrunner and Truskill kind of stuff too but Bingo. It, it also had like it also had a throwdown song on it and a Hatebreed song okay um, it was one of the songs from Haymaker but anyways so there was like just all this metal and stuff that would come under the umbrella I guess of like that Roadrunner mm-hmm. boom back then and that just set me on another thing bro like that just completely fully blew my mind and just I was just that had maybe 20 to 20 to 30 songs on it and I was just rinsing it bro and um he made me a second one which was Momentum Mama's Kettle Volume 2 <laughs> which had like oh, yeah. more stuff on it but like oh, yeah. he started teaching me guitar okay and um I'd actually started I started learning the flute when I was in year sorry like years back when I was like eight and so I had a musical background and then started self-learning guitar with him and I just go to his house on a weekend and we would just sit there and we'd just jam and he'd just give me guitar tabs and I'd just start learning. And then I just got into all this guitar music and like Kill Switch Engage really became my full fucking favorite band. Bro. I was going to ask, like, what did you gravitate towards most on, on those CDs? 
Actually, so the first one, sorry, the first one was System of a Down. Okay, yeah. I couldn't believe System of a Down. Like, I just could not believe Great that. Great band. And that was, learning this, was learning those riffs, and they weren't too technical as well. Um, back then, it, was, it, it wasn't too technical. And I remember when I got to year seven, I went to a new high school, and that's when I met a lot of the people that I'm friends with now and like pretty much made my friendships with the people that started my path, you know, to where I am today. And, uh, I remember getting to the high school and they had this thing where they had like, they had like a, a, a day for the school. It was like a Christian school and like I had a saint. And so the, the saints day, like their birthday or the day they died or whatever, they would have like a, a day for the saint. So like the school would just get be essentially shut down and turn into like a little fair Okay. But they had like a battle of the bands oh. at, this festi- at this fair, and like yeah. any any bands can just play this. Like at the school can just play. And I remember coming, getting to school, like starting off in year seven, and having this like infatuation with starting to build this in- real infatuation with heavy music. And then this a friend of mine, shout out Ed Mortimer, who is a senior hardcore legend as well. Now he was like my, one of my first friends at school, and he was like, "Man, we've got this battle of the bands here at the school, and it's sick." Like. He'd been at the school a few years prior, like as a, a he came from like the primary school and went into the high school, and he was like, "Man, this battle of the bands is crazy!" Like, like, like I was stage diving last year and like crowd surfing at it, and I was like, oh, in my shit. Head, I was like, "Holy crap, this is crazy!" Like, this sounds mad. So, anyways, put a band together with just like random dudes that I met at the at the school, including Ed, and we started doing System of Down covers, and we went to uh, we signed up to play this battle of the bands, and. Uh, the older kids who were like at the here, our final year of school is year twelve. Okay, and they they kind of heard that the like the youngest kids. I was twelve at this time, like twelve years old, and these guys mm-hmm. would have been I don't know eighteen. And they were like, "Oh, there's these new kids who are like starting like a metal band, and they're gonna play the battle of the bands." And they just really propped us up. Oh shit, that's cool. That, yeah, when you're that age, this, they weren't hardcore related at all, but they were just playing in bands or like doing chill. That's chill though. Whatever. Yeah, and I was like. You know, when you're when you're 12 and you're gonna high, you're at the bottom of high school and you see like the guys at the top, you, they're like full men to you. You know what I mean? Like yeah, full straight like, adults, up. You know, almost. And I was so jeed from that. And I remember before we went and played, like we went up to this room and we we painted our faces. Like we we met, met, did like it was almost like corpse paint, but without the white, just the black. Okay. And um, gotcha. and went down and then we were just like we played uh this song called Sweet Pea and Sugar. Swiss oh yeah, 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 yeah! I know sugar. Yeah, that song rocks. Yeah, and just was just like, I I just remember like all the all the year twelves came and watched us, and they were all jumping and going crazy and like it was a full thing. And as a twelve year old, I was losing my mind. It was the first time I ever played guitar in front of people, and it was just such an incredible experience that just like I couldn't get enough of it. And anyways, it was amazing because like school back then they had like a. They didn't necessarily really have like a rock band program, but they just, they were just really like open with us just playing guitars and just helping ourselves to the instruments and just forming bands. That's sick. After school. Honestly, yeah. It's like, that's it was, that, you don't hear about that shit over here. It'd be real. That's cool. It was really amazing, man. It was really amazing. And like from then, you know, our friendship group, like it, it, we had this one year group at the school where we just all fell in love with metal and hardcore and like every lunchtime we would hang out on the on the music floor grab all the acoustic guitars and we'd be eating lunch and just playing riffs on acoustic guitars all lunch and then going and just like starting cover bands and covering stuff and that's a little bit like a like further down the line but 
that was kind of like what our high school life was. And and then, yeah, after, I guess like after Kill Switch Engage, I was like exploring more and more stuff. And then here, I, your equivalent of like your CD store, I guess. Mm-hmm. We have Alstead store at the time there where you go and buy CDs with like, that would stock metal records and that. It's called sure. JB Hi-Fi. It's called JB Hi-Fi. And um, I went in there once and the, the kind of people that work at the shop were the kind of people that were going to hardcore shows at the time. It's, okay. it's kind of, yeah. And um, I remember going in there and I went to go pick up, I can't remember what record it was. I, think I was going to pick up some record. Maybe it might have been Trivium or something. Sure. And the guy was like, have you heard Parkway Drive? And I was like, he was the older guy with long hair and tattoos and that. And I was like, fuck, this guy looks cool. And he was like, have you heard Parkway Drive, bro? And I was like, nah. He was like, you got to check this out, man. You have to check this out. And he was killing with a smile. Their second LP, which was their breakout LP, came out. It's 2005. And he's like, you got to fucking check this out, bro. You got to check this out. And he gave it to me. He like, I was like, all right, I'm buying it. Took it home. And by that point, like the heaviest thing I got to was like Kill Switch. And I had heard some throwdown, as I said, like some throwdown. Like one throwdown song, but that was just like all weird to me. When I put this on, it's killing the smile. It fucking leveled me, bro. It fully like I could not believe how heavy it was. Yeah, I feel I feel like that record is like somewhere in between Kill Switch and like because like Throwdown's like relentless. Like you know, it's it's like you're you're fucking someone up when like you're playing Haymaker tracks or whatever. Parkway Drive, I feel like has enough of a foot and like uh, if you listen to Kill Switch Engage. They have enough of a foot in a place where you look at me like, I understand this, but it's yes. also hard for what it is. So yeah, I hear you. The sticker on the CD was like produced by Adam Dushwitz from Killswitch. Oh shit. And okay. Didn't fans of wow. like, as are they dying and under earth and unearth or something on it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, I can fuck with this. And then anyways, bro, it fully, it completely blew my mind out. It was the heaviest thing I ever heard in my life. I didn't understand it at first, but I, I knew it was something that I wanted to understand you know, and I just kept playing it and playing it. And like that, that record and that band changed Australia, Australian heavy music forever. And it, I mean, I, I hear just like how, like stories about how just massive that, like that band, like, like sometimes like beyond my comprehension when I was growing up, cause like they were a band I would hear about kind of peripherally. And then I would see like videos of them playing like Australia. And I'd be like, Oh, so everybody in the country showed up. Oh, okay. I see. I see. You know how it is. Yeah, crazy stuff. I I know that Parkway Drive has a different perception worldwide, and and especially now they're like a they're a different band. I totally mm-hmm. get it. But they were a band that literally started as a hardcore band. They're hardcore dudes. They were all in the other hardcore bands before they were in this band. Um, and when they were first touring for the first few years, up until like maybe their third LP, they would pretty much only tour with. Um, when they would do their own tours and come out here, like most of their tours were just with hardcore bands and they just right. shows, just hardcore shows. So my first show was in 2006. Um, and the same cousin that took me to Avril Lavigne took me to this too with a few other friends. And it was Parkway Drive, uh, Her Nightmare, Jungle oh, Fever, and Strong. Fuck Strong. yeah, Her Nightmare. We talk about Her Nightmare yeah. when I saw you. Dude. Bro, when you went- <laughs> Yeah, you, for those that don't know what her nightmare is, you gotta go check that shit out right now because that shit kicks ass, brother. <laughs> yeah, it's like you're like early two thousands to the mid two thousands hate breed worship. Um, yes, from Australia. It's and awesome. Just, 
the most beast kind of dudes doing it and just so violent and insane and yes sir i and stronghold was like more of just like a just more of like a a sound a bit more like black my heart i guess a little bit more and then jungle fever were more of like a like a just a punk hardcore kind of band okay um uh and anyways i just i was confused at the first few and then it got the hard again it and it got to and, and and the moshing I'd never seen before. Oh sure, I'm and, sure that shit looked like a like alien shit. Like yeah, yeah. And and but then you know being that age, like you just always wanted to be at the barrier. Always wanted to be right up at the front of, near the stage. So I'm just up there as a 12 year old, like tiny as hell, just getting clocked by everyone, getting head walked by everyone. Head walking was so fucking massive back then, bro. Oh yeah. Um, and especially at Parkway shows, like yeah. Anyways, that just that just. That just did it, man. After that, it was game over. It was hardcore. It was it was metalcore and hardcore, and just so fell in love with it, bro. And yeah, like Parkway Drive was just so instrumental to just just this whole thing here in Australia. Like they, as I said, they started as like a hardcore band and brought out so many hardcore bands here. They even brought out Have Heart, man. They toured with Have Heart. It's so weird. yeah, who who originally told me? Because it's like when I was growing up, I like like really wasn't into me- like metalcore. Like I, I came from like, like I found hardcore through like a punk background and kind of worked my way forward. And uh, so I, like a lot of stuff like that, I kind of like wrote off, but then I was later in life was like on tour. My old band was on tour down to nothing and mm-hmm. Parkway drive came up and they were like, Oh no, they were like, yo, that band is fucking legit as hell. And I was like, really? I was like, I've never really like, like given a shot. They were like, Oh, those guys are like, like the biggest thing in the world, like, you know, in, in Australia and they like are cool fucking people. I mean, I swear it's like, I don't know if, if David was like exaggerating, but he said that they like showed up to a tour one time and were told like, okay, you guys can either bring your surfboards or you can bring your instruments. And they were like, well, we're just going to bring our surfboards and figure it out when we get there. I don't know how true that is, but I heard that and I was like, that sounds fucking awesome. So I, I um, would absolutely believe that. Cause they were, they were like a, like Winston, I'm pretty sure was like a pro bodyboarder or something. At the there you go. Time like, you know, out. so the energy sounded sick to me. I was like, and, and I know like for like some, some homies of mine, like the like kids in like downfall and like killing pace and stuff. Like, I think they grew up listening to that band more than I did. And they talk about how like, Oh, that was, that band was like super formative for me. Like, you know, like, like, like coming up, you know, what have you. So I, it, I love, and I love hearing about this. Cause it's like, Oh, this is like the experience in like a whole other country of, yes. of this band that was like massive. And yeah, so, and I imagine they probably brought what half heart over in like 2008, seven, maybe even nine before they broke I think up. It was, I think it was 2008. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, 2008 or 2009. It was like, yeah, that, that period, but they were also bringing out like the warriors and they toured with sure. like all the, all the up and coming Australian hardcore bands at that time. And it made hardcore so big. It was like, it was like at that time you'd have shows every week. Youth centers would be packed out. Like we're talking like I was 12, 13, 14, 15, you know, mm-hmm. so young. And like yeah. nowadays, if you say like, oh, there's a 12 year old or 13, 14 year old kid at a show, I'd be like, I'd be spinning out. Oh, it's cr- dude, like, isn't that, that was, weird now? That was like normal back then. Now it's exactly. like. It was the same there. Yeah. It was the same with you guys. Oh, dude. So when I was coming up, I got in hardcore when I was like about 14, 15. Took like around like 2005 and, and like really more in 2007 to be straight. But, uh, but I was like coming around, I started coming around in 05. I was like 15, 16. 
And uh, that was pretty normal. Mike, you know, my pe- like peers and stuff were like about that age. I got older and that it was like the, the new entry point age. It started like gradually creeping up. It'd be like 18. And then it's like, it became even more like, like 2021 there for a bit. But I met, there's a, a girl in Richmond that like takes photographs. Her name's Charlotte. And she's in like a band and everything. And the first time like she was at a show, I was like, I was like, this person looks visibly way younger than everybody in this room. And she was like, Oh, I'm like 14. And I was like, yeah, that's wow. crazy. Like that like blew my mind. I was like, what are you, do- what are you doing here? But that was normal yeah. back in, back in the day, you know? Exactly. So. I feel like our generation of getting in at that age kind of like, well, one of the last generations to be at least here in, for the, for the in, broadly speaking in Australia was one of the last generations to kind of get into it in a big way. It, it's the same in the States. Our, our age bracket, I think, is the last time like that, yeah. that it was like, and now it only happens sparingly, you know. Yeah, I have a bunch yeah. of theories on why that is, but I, I, I think it's, it's largely, it's just like, number one, parents don't let their kids do as much as like our parents did necessarily. Um, and, and two, it's like, you know, it's like access type stuff. I, I think, uh, I, I, I think like, kids may not have the like it, it's like when you have a, when you when you're like when you were and i were a kid like the internet wasn't gangbusters yet so if you wanted to go sure. check something out you had to like go to it you couldn't sure. really like look like like youtube wasn't you're talking about mid 2000s youtube wasn't yeah. really like a a thing uh, yet you know bro nah, not at all. so you, if you're like all right i want to go see hardcore you have to go to it you couldn't look up like a hate five six video and, no, we were, we were on the cusp of like social media back then, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. So now I feel like it's like you watch enough videos at home when you're younger and you're like, this seems tight. And then you like hit like, I don't know, 18 or something. You're like, all right, I'm going to show up now. But I think it, I think it's really kind of, uh, it's like parallel to just the change in the way people consume music too. Like as we said, like guitar music was so big back then. Like those bands that I listed before, like Avril Lavigne, that were like guitar pop music. But nowadays yeah. your pop music is rap you know for sure you know, produce so stuff yeah i guess like the accessibility of guitar music just really changed and you know we we were getting into guitar because that was like that was the mad thing to do that get, made me feel like you know a little bit you know different and whatever and like but i guess you, there's different avenues for that now in terms of making beats and whatever so well yeah. i think also and we're going to get into this later with like your like your involvement in speed and kind of like the attention speed has gotten in regards to like I think we're almost like not maybe a hundred percent, but I think we're almost like circling back to guitar music as a, like, even away from like subculture as being like in vogue again, like, because, and the reason I say that is like, you know, you got people like, like Shaq and shit paying attention to like your band, you know, like what have you and like, and like, and like, for example, you, you the sound of fury that y'all played like a 5,000 person, like sound and fury those numbers for hardcore festivals that's like that's like kind of new in the grand scheme of things because it's like i think this is hardcore like i could be wrong joe if you're listening and i'm getting this number wrong don't get mad at me i want to say that would cap at like three on like a really 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 good year you know i think the most people that ever came to a united blood like when we were doing that was like 2014 and it was like a thousand ish, you know, whatever. But, uh, but then, you know, you have like this stuff where it was like, you know, that when the have hard that happened here in the States, that was like 10,000 people. And then these, and then these shows started coming back when the, when the lockdown stopped and it was like all these younger people had discovered guitar music 
yeah. while the lockdown was happening. And then they also, like, you know, like the LA shows with like the, the like the shit, shit looks like Mad Max from like where you're from and shit. Like, you know, that stuff. You know, so it's, it's interesting. But I, sorry, I, I digress. But you, you, you know, you're, you're in, you're in high school at this point or are you still? Yeah, high school. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. And yeah, I guess it just kept going. And like, I think with Parkway, with that, with that as well, it wasn't as much. The, it was just as much the music as it was the culture the band was 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 bringing with them, and that was the strongest thing that we learned. That was embedded to us subconsciously was how to be a band, what being a band looks like, what what the experience of being a band looks like, and how you operate. Like that DVD they first put out, I would have been in year nine or year eight. I would be mm-hmm. thirteen, fourteen. I remember watching that with uh, my best friend Joel, um, and. Uh, on his birthday, we went home after after a nice uh, Chinese succulent meal with his family and went home and we watched this Parkway Drive DVD and I, we, we, I can't, like, the, 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 the excitement and just, the, the, it was the biggest G-up of all time. It was like, holy fuck, I want to be in a band, like, more than ever. I want to do this. Like, I, Hell I, yeah. This is in, like, I, like, we would, and from that moment, we were like, okay, let's do a band. Let's do this, 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 this. Like, we were already playing bands, like cover bands, but we we're like, let's do a proper band, you know? And, like, their whole story about, like, their five friends, like, their five friends from Byron Bay who just started, like, full organic, playing house shows and everything, and just coming up and then traveling the world and, like, yeah, prioritizing taking their boogie boards and surfboards with them over instruments to have fun, you know? And, and making memories together through friendships, like, that way was an insane an amazing story it had so much appeal and it seemed, it seemed so accessible you know it seemed like we are friends too that just started kind of like this playing in bands in school and like like if this is the if this is the pathway like I guess subconsciously we're like all of us are on a similar pathway you know I mean that's hardcore so, man that's like that's exactly. what makes hardcore special you know it's, it's, it's the very I mean. it's, it's a you can do it thing you know and, and that's what I mean I know what you're talking about yeah and that's why Parkway to us were like such an instrumental hardcore band because that was what was bestowed to us. I hold that kind of ethic to, to this day. And like even when they had their basses that left because he had a kid and whatever, like early on, the bloke that they got to play bass was their merch dude who had never played bass in his life. <laughs> like, he was, like he was coming I love on, that. He was like their merch dude who was just a mad surfer and they were already on their second or third, second album by then, like playing thousands. Of so they're huge. The they're just like, yeah, yeah. we're going to get this bro out. <laughs> I love that. Dude, that's never awesome. played bass before. And so like, <laughs> uh, and I've, that's pretty much been almost every band I've ever done. The bass player is just a homie who doesn't know how to play, learn to play for the band. You know? yeah. so, how's, how's Aaron? Is Aaron nice with it? Bro, Aaron's killing it, man. But oh, Aaron learned God. bass to play in speed. Like Aaron learned <laughs> bass to play in speed. Hell um, yeah. Like I ta- taught him, like wrote, I wrote the demo easy and simple enough for, as to be like almost like a textbook for him to just learn. Oh, killer. Play. Okay. Um, but like that was literally the ethos and just doing shit with your friends, starting with friendship first. And like, you know, everything that comes after that is, is, is a bonus and making it work around like the, the, the symbiotic relationship that you share, you know, with the people around you in love. So that was the thing that was just ingrained in us. And, and I was just so lucky that like, for some reason, the kids, my age at my school, and our friends that we made through shows all shared this same energy because it wasn't really the same with kids in the year group below or the year groups above. It was just for some reason there was just this massive thing with our friendship group. Oh, it really? It's just all specifically just one age. It's very interesting. Okay. For our, at least for, for my school, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, 
and yeah, and like as I said, like then you know all through high school every day we're up there we're we're doing we're in the band room at lunchtime covering 50 lions covering the warriors covering um, yeah. parkway covering like hate breed like all this kind of stuff um and and it was just it was a really amazing time man it was it was so formative what was the first like what was the first like band that you're like we're, we're making original music like when uh, when when did that occur a little bit before that, I had a band with with Joel as well, the guy who um, watched the DVD with, um, and it was called um, it was called Hope at Hand. Okay. And we had, and I recorded it at the guy who gave me the Mo Metal uh, CD. I mm-hmm. recorded at his house, and he had like a recording machine. Like before, you had so- recording software on a computer. It was like a big fucking box. The box, the four track. Yeah. Yes, that you record straight into. Right? Uh huh. Oh yeah, so I, record, I remember. Yeah, with like full electronic drums. Yep. And I recorded a we recorded a song into that, and it was called "Bury the Hatchet," and it was like a metalcore song with breakdowns and just a it was just a mosh song essentially. Going hard, all right. And um, and that was it. And that band just did that one song and like <laughs> a few Parkway covers and like I don't know maybe a Killswitch cover or something like. But that was it. And we would just play like U Centers and like Battle of the Bands and okay, not actual not actual not actual hardcore shows, but. Um, like, I guess through that, because there was, like, I don't see that really happening nowadays, but because then we would go and play the battle of bands and we'd be like a quote unquote hardcore kids that would be doing this. But then there'd also be like, you know, normie kids playing chili pepper songs. And, sure. Uh, and, and, and I remember doing the same shit. Yeah. Yeah. And then like, oh, yeah. but then there might be like one other band that had like your age that were also playing like metal that were also going to hardcore shows. And then we met those guys and then we started to go to shows with them. And then like, you know what I mean? Then you, you'd see each other at the small institution, your, your little youth center with like 50 kids, like Moshin. And then on the weekend, you'd go to like the 1200 cap room and see like I the prom queen or Carpathian and you'd be there amongst all the other freaks, you know what right. I mean? Like the real breeding grounds. And then, right. yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So, so, was, so uh, I was going to questions. Like, was, was there a lot of like, was there a lot like going on locally for you? Like, like Sydney wise, was there, was there like a lot of like gigs for you to go to at like youth centers or smaller venues and stuff like that? Okay, heaps, man. Heaps. All right, cool. And, and, and that's what I was saying, like back in the beginning when I was saying Sydney is really fragmented into different hubs, you know. Now we, we claim like Sydney, Sydney shit, like the Sydney hardcore. And really the shows really operate just around the middle of the city where the main gotcha. venues are. Back then, bro, you know, you'd be on the northern beaches or you'd be in the hill districts or you'd be in western Sydney or you'd be in the eastern suburbs, which is like Bondi, you know, or you'd be in like the north part where like some of us were living like, up, up north side of the bridge, like all these different areas with different scenes, bro. Like, it was, like so crazy. Six different yeah. scenes. Crazy, man. That's like, wild, dude. Like, and heaps of local bands, you know, heaps of local bands. And it was a mishmash. It was anything from hardcore, like straight up, just like, just straight up, just normal, like locking out shit mm-hmm. mixed with like, then like a deathcore band would play. And then like a metalcore band would play, and then maybe even like a fucking crabcore band might play. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. shit like that, bro. Just all sure. of, like all over Sydney. Real like, mixed bill. Gotcha. Yeah, and um, okay. and that was just like the come up of 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 Australian hardcore, I guess. And it was just uh, that's yeah. So it was local local music and local scene was huge, um, and and that kind of kept going probably up up until about twenty fourteen. 
Okay, so so the, the, in, interesting. I'm I'm curious when we cross the bridge there, but so you 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 know you're you're playing you you know, you're like playing with your friends and everything like that. Like you know you you had recorded that one song. You're doing your Parkway covers, and you know playing youth centers, battle the bands. You know what have you. You're you're in high school. When like when does that when does like that kind of that band sort of like stop and then you move on to like the next the next thing or does that last all throughout where, while you're in high school. When I, like, when we watched that DVD, like, mm-hmm. that was the thing that, like, set us off. That was after I had written, was in Hope and Hand. Like, like, gotcha. Just a, I mean, it's funny to talk about that band as a band because it was, wasn't a band. It was like, right, it was right. A, you know, it's like a little fuck around thing. Yeah, sure. But, but after we watched that DVD, I started another, I started that, like, the first proper band, you know. Okay. Um, with, with Joel and, and my other friends from here, other best friends. And um, that was when I was 15. And it was a hardcore band, and it was like it, it, it pretty much it, it was came to be known as the band Endless Heights, um, yeah. and it started off pretty much just like a it was like a melod- we were trying to be a melodic hardcore band. Sure, like this was around the rise of you know our favorite our favorite bands then were like your like uh, uh, Killing the Dream, Half Heart, Verse. Was Miles Away uh, a thing there yet? Miles Away was massive, man. Miles yeah. Away was massive. Break uh-huh. Even from here was massive. Um, Molly Carco was on that wave. You know, we had a band from Sydney that was called Homewrecker. Like, that was, a, like, was like another like, kind of band like that. And um, Was this, like, was, 2007, 8-ish time period? Or? 2008, 2008, 2009. Yep. I, that, was, that sound was real, like, uh, worldwide was, like, really on the rise. Or, or was yeah, like man. it had been on the rise for a long time. I feel like it was kind of like crescendoing at, at this time period. So that makes sense. I hear you. Oh yeah. So like that was those were the bands that we were kind of in love with. Um, the Carrier, like you know, anything mm, yeah. with Deathwish. At Deathwish, Bridge Nine was the stuff that I was like fully fucking frothing, you know, and like Ruiner and that. And mm-hmm. anyway, so we, we, this was like essentially like a melodic hardcore band. And like again, we just started that with my five friends and. We were really lucky because we spent so long kind of looking up to the older bands in our scene, you know, the, a generation above us and being like, you know, weird kids from like another part of Sydney, like as a, you know, especially at that time, you always feel like you got to prove yourself. And for a long time, you know, we were under that kind of perspective, but we were like really welcomed from an early age of, of being cool. a band and like bands back then that were, were massive you know, that were coming up with like shout out like Warbrain, Iron Mine, Hopeless, Phantoms, Jack Napier, like bands like that, like Hannah Mercy and, and all that from that from that area, like they really and Shinta Katana and stuff, they really like took us in. And cool. f- you know, look at those guys, they're like fucking they're jacked, they got like <laughs> tattoos, they were they're hard, they're playing yeah. real shit. And we were just like little little fucking kids just playing like trying to do melodic hardcore. Yeah. That don't even they we like look like almost look like normies I would say in some way and they just took us in bro and it was just so 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 lucky that like we were given that because you know like it was so easy that we could have just never done anything but that band like that that band yeah had a huge part of my life um, and it was we went we, we're still like a fish we're still like like a, a band I haven't like broken up or anything but oh really we, yeah we did it we well we did a, we, we we did a lot like just a lot of touring in Australia, touring overseas. Never went to America, but went to like Europe and stuff. And oh, really? 
Oh, yeah. crazy, bro. All right. Like, so, so, so yeah. All right. So you're like, you're 15. You start this melodic hardcore band, like playing locally and stuff. When's the first opportunity where you start playing like outside of Sydney? So like the first time that I left, left Sydney with this band was to record our EP. Okay. And my pet, uh, one of the guy's parents, none of us had our license, but we went to go, we wanted to go record at a studio in the Gold Coast. Um, and there were like two studios really that were doing music. Cause this was kind of like the, 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 the time when like recording wasn't so accessible. So like to get decent production, there's like one yeah. joint in, in Sydney. Um, and then there was, and, and everyone was going to, and then like, anyways, there's this other joint. We wanted, we didn't have any money either. Yeah. So like this joint in Gold Coast is run by this guy, Sam Sale, who played in a band called Ghost Town. He now plays in Nerve Damage from here, which is a fantastic okay. band. Um, but um, he had a studio, and anyways, he recorded bands like Word Up and like and Single Swim, and just bands from the from, from then that were that we we loved. And anyways, our parents fucking drove us up. One of That's our far too. I'm looking at a map right now. Is that like what, like ten hours? It was ten hours. Yeah, it was the first time Shoo. ever. Went up there and just stayed there for a week and recorded. Didn't know what we were doing. I don't think they knew what they were doing either. Pimos, like the guys that recorded, like they, it's funny we talk about it now. Like I was, it was like literally half my life ago. But yeah, that was the first time going. Recorded that and then just playing shows, man. And just started, I think the first tour we ever did was when we finished high school. Finished high school. As soon as we finished high school, we did a tour around Australia and we're doing shows with like Iron Mind and Hopeless and and bands like that from um, and Warbrand and stuff that I mentioned before, like from around here. And then the first big tour that we did was um was with Basement in 2012. Oh shit! Okay, so yeah. all right, so so you you know you you do Endless Heights throughout high school, and, and but then like said when like you know high school's like when you like you graduate it was like when you all started like really like hitting hitting the road and everything. Yeah. What for you just away from school? Because it sounds like you had like a really good experience in high school, just with like all your friends playing music and stuff. So like it was super yeah. positive. When you were like done with school, were you like, okay, I'm gonna just do music for a bit, or was it like, like, okay, I'm gonna like just do this when I have like like time, like, or I can make time? Like, what what was your kind of your plan away from school at that point? It's really kind of funny because like. I didn't really know what I wanted to do and being like an Asian kid, like my parents never pushed me to do anything. They never, ever pushed me. They were never like, do your homework and do all this kind of shit. They never were like that. They were just like, as I said, find what you love and learn how to make a fortune out of it if you can. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. You know, just like, you, know, you start with what you love and then see what you can do. You know what I mean? You know, sure. It's good advice. Um, but when I finished school, like all I really loved was music yeah. and I guess I was kind of good at playing the flute. And my teachers then were like, you should audition, uh, you should audition for like the conservatorium in Sydney. Like you should, you should do it. And I was like, oh, I, okay. So I did it and I got in and I didn't know what else I wanted to do. I just kind of started, I was a massive, I was a fucking nerd, bro. I was, a, I was a massive nerd. Like I was, even though my parents didn't push me, I really was. And I just chose the one degree that didn't need a score, which was just an audition. And I, I got in and I was like, I don't know what else I want to do, but I know if I'm doing this, I'm going to be learning music and I'm going to be in an environment with like, I guess, good musicians. So I'll just do this first. So I studied uh, like a bachelor of flute performance at like the conservatorium here Easy. Um, after I finished school. And I was like, it was such a fucking weird duality in my life, which still does exist because I was going to this 
literally the cream of the crop classical music institution with kids whose parents are like in the orchestra who are music music teachers and that live and breathe classical music like the way we live and breathe hardcore but I was just in it because I just like performing and I like playing music but I didn't know really know shit about classical music eh? and I was also playing in a hardcore band on the side yeah. so like they had no idea like they they, they like they could ne- it was just so weird because I'm spending I'm, I'm there practicing flute for like four or five hours a day like with a metronome to like like the 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 single digit you know, like 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 the, the, the like trying to get everything perfect I'm like working on one finger at a time trying to get my technique going crazy you know and then I'm on then you know after hours I'm like teaching my fucking homies how to play power chords that don't even know what a time signature means you know what I mean like it was this crazy thing yeah. and like all through that like I think it was part of me just kind of realizing as well that like I don't know what it was but I guess I was trying to like see how the classical music thing went but I just didn't fit in I was so weird like I never had problems making friends anywhere but here I just felt so outside and I couldn't explain it and I realize now it's just because I was just amongst all these normies and I just wasn't really a normie you know I was just into yeah, my yeah, it's, like, it's not it's not your breed of person so ah, yeah yeah I get that I completely understand that. Yeah, it was a it was a strange experience being like you know seventeen at the time trying to figure that out. And anyways, I'd be going on tour and like doing we we size was touring like every second month and doing full Australian tours and everything. And like I I tell them like to get leave off uni like for then you the only way you could miss exams and do stuff if you had professional leave and that was actually a thing because classical musicians then would be like playing an orchestra at that side and if they have performance opportunities like that they would grant that as a legit excuse to miss an exam or, or school so okay. i would tell them and be like hey i need to take professional leave because my ensemble is like doing a tour yeah and they would think that i'm in like a woodwind group or whatever doing that. <laughs> and I'm like the tickets are already sold and whatever but really i was like going to go play Psyche Mind Fest or something like in Melbourne or, you know, yeah, like yeah, stuff yeah. like, you know, going to play with like Down and Nothing, for example, or, or something sure. like that, you know what I mean? And they just had no idea. Um, and anyways, I kind of figured out that I was putting the gas on, on, on Endless Heights and it was my passion, it was my love, like the, you know, everything from the music, but just to the experience of just traveling and doing this stuff, you know, you know what I mean? Touring with your best friends was just invaluable. So, it was a really weird thing because it's like I would be racked. I would be spending so much time at university trying to fucking get the the music so perfect to a cusp and like get to the performance and play a, a you know whatever piece a recital in front of like five people and completely fucking flunk it. You know, not completely flunk it, but just like it, just like kind of beat myself up over like a performance in front of five people that I that was like slightly not perfect. And then go and play hard power chords. It's like the most primitive kind of like form of music in front of, you know, a hundred people or whatever. And it just be the best thing ever. And it's like, how can I explain like, this is like one world to another. And the feeling is so different and the technique and all that goes in. Like I, you know what I mean? It was such yeah, a weird thing in my mind to wrestle. Um, yeah. And I, I realized I was like, I just fucking love performing. Like, like I, hardcore, it's just always been it. Like, it's just my thing. And, so I guess I got to a point where I was like, yeah, I'm going to finish up this degree. And I, I finished it up and just, um, I, I, I'm a teacher now. And I, I'm very, 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 very blessed because like through that, I found like a kind of like a vocation for like teaching. I say like 
you know, like, and it just it just so happens that like music is just a vehicle, or flute is just a vehicle. And I don't get me wrong, I'm passionate about my flute playing in a certain way, and like certain stuff. Um, but it's just a great vehicle for me to to work with kids in that way and, and stuff, and it's been amazing. But that's you're teaching like, flute now. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. my career. Like that's my like my day to day, my hustle, I guess. But after that finished in like 2013, it was just hardcore, man. And then we would, yeah, I guess like. Endless Heights was just doing international tours and stuff and just trying to just, it was all very DIY as well, but just, just really just trying to, we, all we, all that band had, man, was just a bucket list. Um, my, my dad, after he was a, <laughs> after he was like a computer scientist, mm-hmm. he, he became a life coach. He just, Oh really? He like closed up shop and was like, this is not meaningful for me. And I want to make a positive impact on people's lives. I don't want to fucking sit in an office and, fire people and like crunch numbers and this bullshit and he started just running fucking motivational like workshops i guess out of our fucking granny flat in our house interesting but you know, i kind you know but here's the thing bro i kind of pick up that energy from you like like a really? little bit yeah, yeah but in like a good way and like, like like you know like, like in a way where it's like it's like you are a very positive appreciative person and, and i feel like how you're like looking at a lot of things in your life is 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 kind of like how you how you talking about the duality between doing your flute playing and then playing in hardcore bands and sort of like you're sort of sitting in like you know what i gotta do what makes me the happiest and what is the most natural and real for me and that sounds kind of like life like like life coach stuff but mm. it, it's like i i love shit like that you know because it's mm. i i and like i like i like hearing something down on this podcast because it, i think it's something for people to like hold on to and yeah. and like kind of like listen to and it's like oh like you know maybe there is somebody out there like you it's like you know what i i am playing i, I am doing something in school that i my heart's not really into and i'd much rather just be playing music or or writing or you know blah blah blah, blah whatever but uh i i i pick i picked that up a little bit um my, so, he, so he starts doing that sure i appreciate that yeah like my my dad just started doing that and you know as an asian family you know like I guess thinking about them, I have so much respect for him because in the mentality, you know, as I said, my grandparents, it's such a massive thing to send your kids or your, your kids to Australia to do school and get a, get a proper job and like do that kind of thing and, and like, you know, get a degree and all that. It was massive, you know, yeah. and in, especially in Asian culture, it's huge. It's all about making your, it's all, you, all, you live for the, you live for your, your, your generation below, you live for your offspring and then when you're, when you become, you know, and then, and, and as a child, you live to in the impression of your parents and to, to, to respect what they've done for you, and you pass that down. And it's always kind of like this, this mentality, right? And so, if I, 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 I guess for my dad to be like, I'm going to close up this job, you know, and just start doing speeches essentially, and like doing this life coaching thing out of my granny flat, like it would have been such an insane thing for my grandparents and like for him to navigate and be like, I need to do what makes me happy and, you know, make a proper legacy for my kids and not just like put myself up in a, you know, office all, all day or whatever. And like he did that. And I can't remember why I was saying this, why, why I started saying this. Um, well, you were talking about what I was, you were talking about kind of like how you had been doing endless heights and how you were a teacher now. Uh, you know, like, like teaching, you know, like flute, like, like based off of, you know, what you got your degree in and, and everything. And you were talking about how kind of in 2013, you were looking at just doing, 
you you were finished with school and were just doing endless heights. Yeah, he. Did he did he transition over? Oh, to that sorry, genre? sorry. That's sorry. That, that's why. Sorry, sorry, sorry. There you go. So around the da- darling back years back, okay. Yeah, yeah. When we were doing the high school shit, my dad, I guess, was like also doing like his speeches and kind of just like you know doing that kind of thing and like helping us set goals as a band and like so with endless heights like i remember from the very first thing like he came to a band practice and he came with all this butcher's paper like a big big like just like roll of paper stuck it up on a wall and was like okay fellas like what do you guys want to do what's your vision what do you want to do with this band like what's your you know what are your goals let's 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 like map this out and so we were like okay like we want to record our own songs and then we want to play a show and then we want to play a show with this band and then we want to play a show outside of sydney and then you know that and i had that kind of like approach of like having goals and a bucket list and like a vision i guess from when i was like i guess 14 you know and my friend and that's essentially just what we had going through endless life was a bucket list of what do i want to achieve in this time and i guess every time we ticked something off it'd just be the next thing and it'd be the next thing and it'd be the next thing and like I, it just long story short it got to a stage where we picked pretty much everything and we're like cool like we're happy like really satisfied and let's 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 you know not run this you know further than it needs to go and just, sure um, we, we, we were we, we've been a band you know what, 12 13 years now or something so um yeah I, and I, that's I, I, I that's why i was telling you yeah because that kind of perspective and approach is kind of like influenced a, a lot of how i do everything i guess of just having a vision, having goals and having like, you know, that kind of thing. And that's why I say like, like my, my, my dad like was sitting me down in high school and was like helping me figure out what I wanted to do after. And I come out, I don't know what I want to do. Hey, eh? going through a checklist of like, there was like sheet, like some kind of sheet of like, you want to do this, you want to do this, you want to do this, just writing things. And also like writing things down of like your interests. And at the end of it, I remember got, I got to the end and my dad was like, son, any Asian parent should be telling you to go do your math homework, but I'm going to tell you to go to your room and write some riffs. And oh, so, that's fucking lit, dude. <laughs> so literally, bro, after that, like, yeah, th- that was, I called up Joel and stuff. I was like, bro, let's fucking do this band. Like, let's do it. And we're going to do it do like this. Shit. And like, Fuck that's what yeah. I mean when I say like, bro, people are parents like that. Like, why do I, no. why was I born in this life with a, with a, with a dad and a parent like that? You know, that's wild. This parents are not like that at all, man. Like, yeah, man, you, know, you know, like it's so, it's such a blessing. It's so like, I'm just so, especially approaching 30 now i'm so fucking i look back on everything and i'm like i'm here and i'm happy and it's because of all these things and my only reaction to that is to just try and like help you know just empower or just like pass a little bit of that to like anyone else who maybe didn't have the opportunity you know of course because it's just for whatever reason it just happened that way and and my parents as well would like they also had this style where it was like an open house in the sense that they were like rather than going out and like doing this and that in the streets you can just do whatever you want at home. So anyone who wants to come over, just come over. So our house became this thing was our open door. All oh, of my cool. friends, close friends at some point, like lived at my house, you know, that's in some sick, degree. It's yeah, a green vibe. All the time. Yeah. And like my, my parents have this thing, like we throw Christmas parties and anyone who doesn't have a family or anything to do on Christmas, you just come open door, come to the Sierra house, you know, and like that kind of thing. And like all the bands then would stay at us. So like the first band that ever stayed in my house, I remember it was 2009 or I think it was Daylight or Super Heaven. Oh shit. Yep. Yeah. And they toured here and like they stayed with me. And then like after that, yeah, like Basement and like everyone from them to like, um, 
oh, like all the Australian bands all over the years all stayed with us and just just so many people around the world and like it was it was a, a really amazing thing because it just my friend my parents became like as close to my friends as you know there's a friend of my fr- of my, awesome. my friends too um, and it was really you know they don't necessarily understand hardcore and they are actually starting to get to really get it now in the last year with like speed with what's happening but they didn't really understand it but they were like you know like somewhere around the world like some some family or some some parent or some friend has done this for like you so you know we're going to give back and just do that for anyone else and um yeah that was just that was really the kind of perspective and and, and culture that i was i was brought up in and i think when you marry that with with the ethics of hardcore you know it starts at home and then it starts like you know in the pit <laughs> but both of those things going hand in hand really kind of formulated this kind of like idea of how i wanted you know the culture within our, our friendship group and stuff to run so when you 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 talk about you talk about this and, and it's that's that's all legitimately magical and and like that's the kind of shit that i, I like like love to hear like genuinely like warms my heart because it's a lot of the ethics and and sort of the virtues that i hold myself come from places like what you're talking about and just having parents that were like kind of in step with you like that one it just sounds like a dream but you 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 talk about how in like 13 you were done with school and you're and you were just doing endless heights two questions when did you kind of like realize okay we've ticked all the boxes like when when did that occur for you so like as we kept ticking off these these boxes like the sound of the band was also progressing and by the end of it we were essentially like kind of sounded a bit like the death tones almost and it was like kind of almost and it was like you know joel's a really amazing singer and like um and uh weirdly like super weirdly in like 2014 around we have a radio station in australia called triple j which is okay. uh it it is a it's a mainstream radio station but it plays independent music and it play, it has like a hardcore station and it plays like a lot of like just local music right and they started playing endless heights on the radio Crazy. And, like like on like daily rotation and that was nuts because we were just essentially, yeah, just like hardcore guys just writing this kind of shit. And um, so the band started just doing this and then, you know, opening up our, our field. And, you know, we were hardcore dudes always, but by the end of it, we essentially became hardcore dudes that were trying to write like pop music almost. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, honestly, bro, it got to a stage where we'd done Europe a bunch of times then we went to Asia and I found myself like kind of, I found myself on a bus tour once in Europe and playing like O2 Arena and shit like that. You know, we were like opening a support tour. And who was it for? Do you remember? It was with the Amity Affliction. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, which we didn't sound like at all, but it was. No, you but know, you know, I, I can really, see it working. Really they were really, really good to us and like just took us on for this tour and stuff. And anyways, we did this kind of tour and, you know, that it wasn't like not my. It's not what I listen to, really. You know, sure, um, it's fine. Yeah, the bands that were, can't like everything. And by that point, as well, with what Endless was doing, we were just playing with all these other bands that were outside of my wheelhouse, and uh, 
I just remember having this kind of feeling of like sitting in the bus after just playing like some fucking ridiculous venue in you know London or something, and just kind of just feeling like not fulfilled and just not really. I was like, I don't know why, and I know this. I was thinking like, man, fifteen-year-old me would be fucking. This is dream shit, and not to say I wasn't grateful. For, I was so grateful for it, and it was an incredible experience, and it was just mind blowing to be able to do that, like as a band. But just thinking, like, why do I prefer to? Why would I prefer to just be back at home at Valve Bar playing a fucking show with my other hardcore band, like Mood Swing, like to 50, 50 people? Like, why would I just prefer to do that right now than be here? Like, I don't understand. Like, it really started to kindle this feeling in me of like, this is not what I want, and this is. I, we tried to like see how how it was and it just wasn't the same thing and i re- i just realized bro it just wasn't hardcore bro like we were just like i just it just wasn't the same obviously we weren't playing hardcore shows like they weren't hard- no. like the, when ennisides played our own shows we would make, make them like hardcore shows but like when we were doing all the support stuff and all that, i was like i don't want to do this and i don't like you know we're learning about doing like you know all that kind of industry stuff of like i don't know doing support tours and just fucking you know the games that go into that and i was like yeah no, absolutely like this is not like like I, like contracts and like fucking it, like, it becomes so not fun like especially if your like heart is like so deeply rooted in hardcore like it I, I've I could go on and on about that, but it's it's like it becomes like really mechanical and like business like, and it's just like not like what makes hardcore cool is how organic it is. Not hundred, bro. You know, like hundred, like so. It was just, it's just. I was like, obviously, you know, at at that age and everything, and like as we're trying to just make the most of, like the endless size was five guys, and we never, never ever had member changes for the entire oh, time. Oh shit! Was Again, that was like the kind of model that Parkway left on us, the impression. No matter what ups and downs, we never, we never, ever would, it was not a question that we would be, replace someone, you know, because sure. the friendship was first and we wanted to keep building those memories. And I just, it was just fucking whack to me, bro. I just, and by the end of it, I was like, my heart doesn't feel the same. And I, I don't, I, I'm not fucking taking time out of work and all this kind of stuff. This is not the same kind of passion, you know, and I wasn't into the games. I wasn't into the politics. I wasn't into all that kind of shit. And I'm not trying to talk shit on the industry and whatever. Like, you know, like it is what it is, but it just wasn't for me. True. And so one thing that funnily enough, bro, that, that we just couldn't, that one thing on the bucket list, the one thing was that we didn't go to America. We could just, I, and no matter that how kind of, tried, Dude, based on how much you're talking about, like, all the shit you did, I'm like very surprised. Like it just, we just ne- we, no one like as much as hard as we tried we just couldn't come we just, interesting huh. we just could not come to America and like that was the one thing I wanted to do like I just wanted to experience American hardcore I wanted to go to American hardcore shows I wanted to do all that but then yeah. also at that point like you know I remember it's like the way the band is right we couldn't really even come and play hardcore shows there anyway like, yeah at that it, point you know, yeah yeah anyway so like that was the one thing and and, and we, we had it you know we, we kind of just all agreed as like as Fred like okay let's start to wrap this thing up and then um, the night that we had that conversation um, I my, my, as soon as we had that conversation my mind just clicked and was like alright I'm going to start speed and like it was I didn't know that it was called speed then you know but I was like alright I'm going to do this thing that I've you know I, I, I find it really hard to, to like for me I, I personally like if I do something I got to go 100 at it you know so mm-hmm. like it was very hard for me to, to juggle two things that I'm really serious about. So as it was almost kind of like I was able to mentally close a chapter and be like, all right, 
I've always wanted to do this hardcore band. I've always wanted to front a hardcore band for so long. Um, and I always wanted to do a band with my brother. And I was like, that's what I'm going to, I'm going to start. I'm going to start doing that now. What year was this? It was at the end of 2018. Okay. So, so you, even in like, during like, like you had been, you'd started teaching flute and everything like, you know, probably somewhere around 13, 14. Uh, is yes. that, is that correct? Okay. So you'd start teaching well, at then. Oh, I was, hmm? sorry. I was teaching. I was, I was, I started teaching in 2011. Okay. So you started. So when, when did you finish school? I'm just trying to get my timeline right here. I, I, uh, 13, but I was teaching through school. Got it. I okay. already started, and then and then I like went harder with it after I graduated. I see. So so you so you started picking up like more after you graduated. So you were doing endless heights for a grip, juggling school, juggling teaching, and then that for like five years or so. Uh, if I'm if, if we're talking twenty eighteen, like, it was like from touring it was like twenty eleven to twenty eighteen. So like wow. it was like wow. teaching and, and, and doing that for a good seven, eight years. I mean if you're talking about touring with Amy Affliction too and stuff like that, like you're doing like substantial touring as well. It's not just kind of like weekenders or and, and things like that. So that that's that's definitely a ton to it's like a, a ton to handle through that time period. Um but I, I mean like was was there a lot going on for you away from like I'm teaching and I'm doing endless heights. Was there like was it like anything else kind of like distracting you during that time period, or was that the main two things for you? Well, obviously, like going to shows, like sure, going to hardcore shows all through that, and then like um, uh, like I guess I like to like powerlifting. Like I was really into powerlifting, like mm-hmm. with my friends and stuff. Um, and got in, yeah, that was like the other thing, just like just training as well. So sure, doing that and then nutrition and stuff, and that was kind of like my other passion, I guess. Okay. Um, so and then, you said and you then, had another band too, yeah? Oh, oh yeah. So there's another band called Mood Swing, yeah. which um, Josh, who was in Speed, also played in, and um, B Chan, who was with us in, he's like the sixth member of Speed. He was with us in LA. Oh yeah, yeah, that cat, sure. He he sang in um in 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 Mood Swing, and then like the the singer of Primitive Blast played drums in Mood Swing. Gotcha. Um, yeah, yeah. So this was like a a a, a fun like side project that was just like a. It's a hardcore band. It was. It was. It's it a. It's a funny band, bro. Because <laughs> it was just. It was like a. We just took the piss with it in terms of like. I don't know. It it, it. it was a really fun band. The shows would always go off. You know what I mean. Yeah. But we didn't take it seriously, and it was just funny how like it kind of did its thing, and like it never toured. Yeah. It never toured. I was also yeah. It would. Ne- it never toured, but we would just go and play like fest or like inter- you know shows here and there, but. Um, so anyways, yeah, that was, that was the other band, um, that, that I was also in, but it was very like low touch. I, uh, that, sure. I wasn't driving that. I was just playing guitar. Just hanging out. So yeah. 2018, Endless Heights, you're like, okay, we're, we're not like, we're not burning the book, but we're closing it, you know? Cause it's like, technically you didn't break up. To be, I, I don't know if I've really spoken about this ever publicly, but like we were, we were like, okay, we'll, we'll plan to do our, our, our last shows. But then it was like, it might've been 2019, you know, but actually but then um it actually, actually it might it was 2019 maybe and then but then COVID hit oh shit okay like, like a, a year later and like like in through 2019 i was just writing and formulating what speed was going to be and like just, sure. just starting to do it and um and the only vision for that was just me and aaron first like me and i was like aaron let's do this bro let's start this band let's let's fucking do this thing and um and then yeah at the end of like 
because of COVID, like, and then, you know, the last three years now, like, I, I don't know what's going to happen now. Like, like, it's just a different game now. Like, shit's Yeah, it's definitely. Yeah. So, well, so, so that, that, so Inland Sites essentially stops and, and, and there's plans for just put, like actually being like, okay, like the, this is it. So when you start speed, how did that, how did you go about it? Like what, what kind of was like, you were talking about goals and steps here and whatnot. What was the, what was kind of the first thing on that butcher paper? So like that, the, the really liberating feeling about starting speed was the fact that and I didn't realize this. It took me a while to figure this out mentally, but like, because we had started endless sites when I was essentially 14, mm-hmm. by the point I stopped, I was like, what, what, 25 or something. You're hold, you're, you're doing a band that's like started out of the vision as a, as a different person, bro. I was a yeah, different person, you know, I changed multiple times, but in that, mm-hmm. in the sense of that band. So like, and you can hear it in the music and everything. Like you can hear it, you can see it, like everything. We were like a band that was growing up as a band. You know what I mean? Like it, it wasn't a band that just started and did what it did and stayed with that. It was, we were just growing up as human beings and it just came out and it was reflected in the, the, the band's experience. So like doing Speed, I was like, everything that I ever, who I was then, all of my, my mentality, what I loved, everything I wanted to do, how I saw all my experiences, like this is what I want to do. This is who I am. You know what I mean? Like finally can just like do this, and it was like, because as well, it was essentially kind of like my brainchild. I was like able to just, I guess, piece it together. And me, me and Aaron, you know, Aaron's my brother and my best friend. And like, we were on the same page with everything. And that was the biggest reason why I want to do a band together. Because like, you know, this is the most important thing. If you want to do something right, it's like, you got to have people that click, you know what I mean? People that, that's, that, 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 that you can speak to without words, you know? And so starting that was like, all right, well, you're going to play bass. Um, and I'm a, I'm a write the songs. I got to make the songs to make sure that you can play it. Yeah. Like I said, it was like a, it's like a textbook. I was, the demo is like a textbook for Aaron to learn bass. Gotcha. <laughs> um, and uh, quite simple in, in, in that regard. And I'd be writing the songs and as I was writing them and like selling on them, then I'd be teaching Aaron as we're going. And like, so we, we were just, and we lived together at that time. And so then it, got to a stage where I had like a bunch of the songs down and like, all right, who are we going to get to be in the band? And then the first person really was like, fuck. I've been talking a long time with Dennis about starting a band. And a lot, yeah. a lot of, a lot of people in Australia, like, like our friends had kind of been throwing around this thing of like doing an all Asian band. for, for Oh yes. Yeah. Okay. Cause there's only a few of us. Like it's like, like there's only a few of us. So like, like Asian, like it's, like, this is a few token Asians in each city. And we always sure, like, oh, sure. doing, this, doing this band. But like, and I, but like, I never wanted to be like, I didn't want to be tokenized. Like the, the Asian experience, especially like, I didn't want to just do an all Asian band because I didn't want sure. to be like, oh, like he's the joke. Like, oh, like, you know, it's, it's not who I am. It's not it seems I'm like a, it seems like a gimmick or something. It's like, yeah, exactly. like, yeah, I hear you. Exactly. But Dennis is my fucking boy and my brother. And like, you know, Dennis is Dennis. He's like a yeah, he rocks. Kind, of, kind of character, you know, the best. And, um, so we're like, fuck, we've got to get Dennis to play guitar, bro. you got to play guitar. And then, um, Josh, obviously my best friend for so many years now and one of Aaron's best friends as well. Um, it had to be people that fully loved hardcore through and through. That was right. the first thing. You have to, like, I just, obviously just straight up hardcore kids that did this, that wanted, that, 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 that just, you know, fully on the same page that just loved it. Like, 
every 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 cunt that plays in speed has to has to be a pitter as well, like a mosher. You know what I mean? Love like, that. Fucking you know, love like, that, dude. Hell yeah. yeah. So you know, so that was that was the criteria, and then obviously then Dennis and, and Kane, who plays drums, mm-hmm. one of the best dudes in the world as well. Dennis and Kane played in a band called, or play in a band called Relentless. Relentless, yeah, yeah. Yes, and so Relentless, legend now is legendary status Sydney hardcore band, and 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 they really are like I I really see them as legends because they were one of the very 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 few bands like literally less than five in all of Australia that went to America multiple times and immersed themselves. In the in in this in the landscape of bands that made up the mid 2010s era, mm-hmm. like Rotting Out, they yep. toured with uh, Minus, they toured yep. with um, uh, Ringworm, mm-hmm. uh, they they played This Is Hardcore, they played United Blood, you know what I mean? Yep, like I remember, like yeah, and they played the Hatebreed year, I'm pretty sure. Oh, oh, but the, no, the, sorry, no, 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 sorry, that might have been Primitive Blast. I'm getting mixed up. Sorry. Mm, hold on, I keep a list. Let me. <laughs> We're gonna pull this because because I I I, try, I consider myself a historian of that event a bit. Yeah, uh, yeah. So hold on, let's take a look here. That would have been. See, if it was fourteen, if it was 14, or, 13, which I, 13 or fourteen, it, thirteen would have been. Um, um, fourteen was the hate breed year, and I'm actually okay. before I'm even looking this up, I'm actually pretty certain that they played hate breed year, which was yeah. I mean you know good for them because I, I I think historically that's considered one of the either the top one or top two unbelievable uh, thing unbelievable i think it was i think it was in 13 let's see 13 would have been i'm trying to remember who the headliner was on on that one uh that that might have been ty ty uh dtn headliner on, on that insane one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, which is the with speed is interesting. We're talking about kind of like this, this, this early two thousands, early twenty ten sound rather, and I hear that so much in speed's music. Like, like you talking about like the bands that Relentless went on tour with. I hear that era in y'all's music big time. That um, was the. That was sorry, no, sorry, I didn't mean to cut. No, you. no, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I, that was like you know when I when when I was at the end of high school, like you know, 17, 18, going, able to go to overage shows, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Because back then, all ages shows was a full thing. But actually finally being able to go to overage shows, that was when TUI was coming out. That yep. was when you had this new rave of metallic hardcore, a harder, you know, harder, harder stuff. Big bands down here, the bands that we were really popping from, from there were like Iron Age and Violation. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And um and even like down to nothing and stuff and but mm-hmm. especially like TUI bro like I remember man when TUI came, it was it was one of the moments that was really life changing. It was it was their second tour. The second tour they came they toured with Relentless here, and um I played a bunch of the shows with Endless Heights and I also was like playing guitar in another band from here or filling in with a band called Phantoms from Sydney who are also a fucking legendary Sydney band, cool. really fresh and um. You should check them out. Actually, if you never heard anyone listening to this, if, 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 if you see it, you got to check out Phantoms because all right, I'm looking like, that shit up right now. It's it's, it's really it. insane. Yeah, um, you can hear this. You can hear like it, speed is similar. I think to very similar sonically to, to Phantoms. Um, and anyways, that kind of era, bro, was 
that was our prime time, you know, and obviously like, like backtrack was coming up at that time too. And oh, and certainly the Reaper sound yeah. was just, yes. you know, yes. I, I hear that in speed because that's what I grew up on, man. And I got yes. so like, Oh yeah. Like here it is. Here it is. Once again, like bro, fuck with soul search, bro. Like bad mm-hmm. seed, like minus, like these bands from then, bro, full, like legendary. Like, even that sound, that the, the sound and fury that was like 2011, I think it was or whatever. When like harness played and stuff too. Mm-hmm. And like, like B chan and stuff all flew over. And like, that was good, bro. All our friends going over there going, or 2012, whatever it was. But like that era was like when we were young and that was, that was really, really hit home with us. And fuck yeah. for speed, it was just, I just want to start, I just want to play the shit I love and the shit that we love. And it's funny to me, man, that it makes me feel old when you hear that there are kids that never went to a TUI show that I don't, that didn't, that missed that. Like, it's just weird to me because I feel old as fuck. Cause it's just like, you expect so everybody strange. to know. <laughs> you know, so there's, so I remember, this is what I remember distinctly. I remember, seeing TUI a lot around this time period. And then they go mm. on the hiatus in 2013. Mm. And then I remember having friends that were just a little bit younger than me. And they were like, the, they return back to school jam 2015. Uh, and they were like, Oh, this is going to be my first time seeing them. And I was like, yeah, wow. what? I was like, you, <laughs> what are you really? Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it's, 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 it's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, that like there are people now that have never seen him at all. I, I think the last time they maybe toured was around 2017. But yeah. I, you know, if you think about that, man, that's five years ago. <laughs> it's like half a decade yeah. ago. It's, it's so crazy to think about. Um, but uh, I, uh, I'll just say, I'll just say that I, I, I suspect they'll be playing again in the future someday. So I hope so. They're so they're so le- they're so legendary. You know, yeah. uh, in Australia, obviously everywhere, but especially considering our generation is kind of like, as I said before, like one of the younger generations that are like, mm-hmm. from, like everyone here fucks with you are, you know, man. And like, anyways, I think if you listen to speed, you can hear the textbook, you know, historically through all that throughout. Yeah. Our cap- and it's cool. It's very, the influences are obvious yeah. but in terms of like the, the, the polish of, of the band and, and the, the aura hugely influenced by TUI obviously man and like why why wouldn't we be they were our favorite fucking band of course and, not like, yeah. our, all of every member of Speed that was our favorite fucking band all our friends our favorite band as I said like when they came here they did two back to back Sydney shows sold out at this legendary venue called Volfe Stag which was now called Crowbar which actually Speed is playing at tonight um, hell yeah but, um, it's gonna be lit bro <laughs> yeah but um, I just remember that and like fucking Franz was like but doing merch and he was oh, yeah. front flipping off front flipping off the PA and like it was just the sing-alongs were crazy and every show I don't know why I told myself I was like I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna march I don't wanna fuck myself up I don't wanna march every show just as soon as they started just bro shirts off let's go like, there's videos of it on YouTube you can Love see it, like yeah. everyone's so skinny and just moshing so janky and that like it was so and and, and there's other things bro they were all they were all so so lovely and so embracing and so nice and like that was the experience meeting every hardcore band that came out to us they were fucking legends they came out we're kicking it after the show and doing whatever and mm-hmm. it was it was it taught us a lot you know and, people, and anyway man. so so yeah that's that's i guess like you know in terms of uh the creatively what kind of went into it just speed the polish is there and um and um i'm not afraid to say it at all because fucking right it's 
and the guts. And I, but yeah, like, well, yeah, well, why why be ashamed of, of 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 taking the DNA from one of the greatest of all time? Mm-hmm. You know, so it, it's you guys you guys start that in like 2018, 2019. Is mm-hmm. is that correct? The um, band released the demo in in November 2019, I think. Okay, so towards the end of 2019. All right, so yeah, yeah. when was the first gig? November 2019. Okay, so you played it like right. So it wasn't the kind of thing where it came out and you didn't get a chance to play before lockdown happened or anything. Yeah, we had like we didn't even know what COVID, the COVID was not even a thing. Like we yeah, just, yeah. I, I I was when I was speaking before that was kind of when I was like scheming it, mm-hmm. like around like start of 2019. But then the demo came out like November, I think, and then we played our first show the same month. Okay, uh, and I think we played we played six shows before COVID. We did that, and then the second show we played was, um, uh, uh, it was Terror, a ter- Terror show here in Sydney, which was insane with Primitive Blast and Relentless. Killer. It was Killer. Terror, like Malevolence, Relentless, Primitive Blast, Speed, and it was yep. that was it was uh, it was because okay. So the other thing I got to mention as well was that Harker was so so crazy as kids for us and you know amazing but then from around it's hard to say exactly when but from around 2014 Mm -hmm. it went from being this this industry where international bands coming out every month we had a festival here called break the ice which like you know one year it was like five bands like twitching tongues fucking disgrace misery signals ringworm uh like rotting out, play, oh, rotting, shit. Rotting, no, cold world, cold world. Sorry. Oh, like, solid. you know what I mean? Like, like just like, hell all these yeah. Bands are coming out and playing, bro. Like, and it went from that to like literally pretty much two or three notable hardcore bands. Like there was one year that was like, it was just turnstile and code orange mm-hmm. and maybe Andrew dust. And that was yeah. it for the whole year. And shows just became like really, 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 really small. And that's when it went from like, you have all these, all these different, scenes within mini scenes within Sydney to just just the city only and maybe like 50 cunts rock up to a local show you know what I mean like fully right. like and 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 it just that was what kind of shows were for for quite a few years and gotcha sure I mean you know you know hardcore goes in waves it always it does. goes up and down like it's very normal but in Australia I feel like for the big part especially like in Sydney it was really like that and mm-hmm. Well, I was going to say, what do you, why do you think that, like, what do you think the reasoning behind that is about, about why it had those, those few years of, of, of not hitting like it had? I think a big reason was because we had this big wave of, of the generation of bands that came up when we were kids, you know, bands in like 50 Lions and 50 Lions and like your Her Nightmares and then like Carpathian. Like Carpathian is a band as well that was like, I don't think they, they never went to America either, but they were fucking huge in Australia. They were mm-hmm. the, if Parkway Drive are like a metal band or, or, or started as a hardcore band, Carpathian were the biggest hardcore band Australia's ever had. It was okay. insane. And Got it. Like absolutely insane. And, and also like fully crossed over. Like they were like on that web, on that radio station, Triple J, like one, that year that their album came out, Isolation, it was like the top one voted. Like, Shit, record. okay. And, and, and that's a, 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 amongst like, fucking crab core keyboard shit you know what i'm saying like sure amongst all that other stuff too like metalcore you know that was the top so that's like how big hardcore was then okay um i see yeah and so all those bands broke up mm. and when they broke up not many bands started um okay. and i don't i don't like i, I like i guess many 
people kind of moved on and didn't sure. really like kind of come back and like there was just wasn't as many bands first and sure. foremost sure and i think that like uh i think people getting older were becoming a little bit um disenfranchised with the culture that's it's a, it's a big part a, a part at least and um and I, I, I guess people were getting tired because they were doing bands and they were still local bands and the great local bands that were coming up, but like there weren't that many opportunities. And there's, I guess, like when you play like fucking 10, 15 local shows with like 40 payers and like one person moshing for the last song of the last band, it becomes disheartening. It becomes, yeah. A, yeah so if I, I could see that amongst our peers and I could see that, you know, just around the place. And, um, and I think that, w- that those were some of the reasons that went in, you know, and, and, sure. and it was just, you know, like it was like kind of, as I said, everything goes in waves and cycles. And that was the biggest reason why Speed wanted to start was because we had had this, narr- this, this discourse for so many, for so long about what the fuck is happening with hardcore and why do our friends think it's not cool anymore? And like, why am I the only one that seems to be G'd at this show? Why are we the only ones G'd at this show to try to try and mosh? And why is everyone talking shit on going to shows and think it's uncool now? Like, why... Like I fucking love this shit, bro. Yeah, I love it's this the shit best so shit in the much. fucking world, man. Like, <laughs> I, I shouldn't feel ashamed to talk about it. Like I shouldn't. Of course be ashamed. not. Like why? Why do I feel ashamed to go out and say, yeah, I listen to hardcore, or yeah, I fucking. You're like why? Like like, it was. I, I love this so much. Like like, if it's the most important thing to me that I feel like, why should I? Why shouldn't I want to share that? You know what I mean? Didn't didn't feel right. And you know, it's only so, like. The, it just came down. It was like the best way to actually just keep the wheels turning is just to do a band. We needed more yeah. bands. They just weren't, yeah. it was, it would, we'd be trying to book local shows and we were just like, what bands did we put on in Sydney? They just mm. weren't like, it's many like that bands. shit. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. There just weren't many bands. And it was like, so that was the biggest thing was like, we wanted to do a band that could just keep wheels turning. And just gotcha. like, we wanted, I, 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 I loved all the the bands that our friends were starting and, and had been doing, and I I saw so much potential and 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 them and you know I just felt like some of them weren't getting the recognition they deserved, and it wasn't their fault. It was just like just the way this, the the landscape was at the time. There wasn't an infrastructure for hardcore to really thrive. Mm. So that's what we wanted. We were like, we want to do a band that can help the help this guy and keep going again, and get people to be psyched about it again. Like Fuck I just yeah. wanted. I wanted people just to, as I said, to, to not feel that it wasn't uncool, you know? And like, I just wanted to be able to go to a show on the weekend and hang out with my homies and fucking buy some merch and then go and kick it on the corner and eat ice cream or like, you know, get a kebab after or whatever like that, you know, and talk shit for a few hours. Like that's what I wanted to do on the weekends. You know what I mean? Like, so like that was really it, man. It was, that was really the, the whole thing with speed was just that, it, it, we, we can sit around and moan about this shit and see what happens or we can just do a band and just try and fucking make it happen and especially coming out of like that many years of touring and being later in my life and I had this mentality that like I was gonna fucking settle down and like getting too old for this shit and everything I was like nah I I gotta do a band like I, the story's not done and there's thing I still wanna do and as, as I said like sitting in that bus you know in the in Europe and just thinking this is what I care about. Like, I was like, my story's not done, bro. I want to fucking keep doing this. Like I need to, I love this shit too much. Like I'm getting older and I thought that I'd get more jaded, but I'm, if anything, I'm more psyched. You know? like, I do. I mean, like, I, you're speaking to a kindred spirit and so much of this regard, man. Cause it's like, that. I feel the same way. You know, yeah. and, it, and especially it's like, 
you know, we're pretty much like almost like right there with, with it, but it's like looking at speed and it, it's like speed is definitively a hardcore band. Like it's not a metalcore band. It's not a metal band. It's not a, it's not a punk band. Like that is a capital H hardcore band. And to see that without leaning into a different world, having as much many eyes on it and as much enjoyment going into it, you know, for me is I'm like, I'm like, oh, like that's, you know, and I'm, I'm in, and like, I personally am in a band that like is like leans like hella metal, but, but the purest in me is like, this is what I want to see. I want to see this type of hardcore elicit the same kind of spark within that, it, that this sound elicited within me when I was younger for a, a different generation. And it seems like it's happening. And there's a very, I mean, it's like, there's something my father would always tell me when I was growing up. That was like, like, cause it sounds like your dad had a lot of sessions with you about like planning and like, like mental stuff. Like, so did mine. So I, I like, know, like I'm very familiar with like a whiteboard of like ideas and shit like that. But he would sure. say, like he would always say, if it's to be, it's up to me. You wanted something to happen. Hell you know, you, you wanted to be like, all right, I want to, I want this sound. I want people, I want this sound back in the mix. I want there to be actual bands in Sydney to put on gigs. Like, you know, like I'm, I'm bringing this shit back. I'm tired of seeing, of hearing jaded people moan about how things used to be or, you know, mm. or like being like, this shit isn't cool anymore or whatever. It's like, mm. no motherfucker, this shit still is cool. You're not cool anymore. Like, you know, like, <laughs> you're at, take your ass out of here. Like, you, know, you suck now. That's the show. Shows are not cool because you suck now. Sorry. But, uh, you know, so I, I hear you, man. Thank you. It's like a, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah. Um, You're good. I really, really appreciate that, man. It, it really does. It means a lot because it just, everything that's happened with speed recently has been the most overwhelming experience of my entire life of everybody that's involved in this. It's been completely, I just, I, if I think about it too long, I get emotional because it's so un. I never ever thought anything like this would ever happen and, and to, to know where it's come from and like we spent so many, like even talking to you, it's like a really, it's like this is such an honor and a privilege because we, we, Thank you. you know, we've had this underdog mentality for so long in Australia being so far away and like, you know, so few bands have ever been exported and we think like, you know, why the fuck would anyone care about what's happening in Australia when you guys make your own hardcore in America? You guys are the birthright. You guys are the meccas. All the best bands in the world are from there. Best scene, best moshes, everything. You know what I mean? You have it all in front of you. Like, we worship that. Every time Americans come here or Southeast Asia or Europe, like, you know the effect. Like, it's a, like it's a, there's a definitely, like, a, a sense of um, American bands on a pedestal. You know what I mean? And I, and, and, I, and I don't mean that in the sense of, like, I'm kissing your ass. I mean that in the sense of just respect of, like, I love this shit and you guys created it. You know what I mean? Right. So, right. like, I never, ever thought that, the band would ever, ever, ever like have recognition this way in America. Like, and, 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 it, and, and this is why this is really, really like special conversation for me. And I really appreciate it. And, and, and like with, with the band, you know, one of the bucket list things like, the, like other than just keeping the wheels turning was I still need to experience American hardcore. I still need to go there and go to a show. Even going there and moshing at a show is a dream you know, and, and that's, that's what we wanted. And, and, and I guess we fucking got to go to 
sound and fury like it was well, yeah, like yeah so let's let's get let's let's figure that like like how so you play these six shows before lockdown happened yeah yeah how oh, yeah, how, yeah. how are those or are those are those received well is it what you expected is it what you wanted like like what was the what was the feeling there honestly like it it kind of hit the ground running bro like when we announced the demo and we did the first show like the first show like people were on board bro like like Good. it it the first show like it sold out and it was like insane we opened and it was crazy and the second show the terror show that sold out and that was the 350 cap venue and that was Killer. like we weren't seeing that happen for years and mm. the energy and it was like i felt that like in this down period people who fell out for whatever reason i don't blame them at all i don't hold anything but it just left the people who were still there to be the ones that really gave a shit. Right. Like the ones who were still there, you know, with only 50 payers or whatever, the ones that were still running labels that were still doing bands am- amongst all the fucking, you know, like uh, low times, they were the ones that really gave a shit, you know, and, and everybody there, it gave a sense of like wanting to win together and having to, we had no choice but to really work together and like build it up. And I think now like when, when you know those first those first shows that people were doing they were all like popping and it started this it started this trajectory of just excitement and it set a precedence from there of being like we come from you know barely anything now and we're going to build this up and we want to work together and we're going to make it sure it runs the right way and foster like you know a positive community and and friendships and really try and fucking avoid as much drama and politics as we can and just sure. run it for the right reasons yep and it really was a great filtering kind of uh like a i guess like almost not like, not a purging that sounds really like <laughs> it, no, no. like it was a it was a filtering of like just people being it for the right reasons and it's insane to kind of think about it now in hindsight because you know there were so many emotions wrapped up in that of like feeling a little bit not negative but just just yeah just being tired and 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 being like wow like that was actually positive and that really without that we wouldn't be here and the shows that we did after the, uh, uh, like the, the shows we did immediately before COVID were like, we went to, we went to Melbourne and, um, we, did, our third show was in Melbourne and we played in this venue called brick and mortar. And, um, that was just insane. And it was like, it was a small, it's a small streetwear store and it was a free show and it was fucking crazy. It spilled out all into the street. Like they couldn't fit in the room. And there was a video of us playing like my girlfriend Gemma took on her iPhone and we posted it. And it was kind of like the first thing that went like semi kind of quote unquote viral. It got like 5,000 views. It was just shared shared and shared and shared and shared. And I think that was like the video that like Ricky at Flashbot saw. Ah. And like, like Ricky, Ricky Singh, shout out, shout out Ricky and Shay. Shout him out. Shout out Ricky and Shay, man. Good dudes. Absolute just fucking maddest cunts, bro. I just love those guys. Couldn't couldn't speak more highly of them. I just they they obviously uh, backtrack at a huge affinity with Australia. Sure. When when um when the first record came out and they they toured here, like the whole that I remember that video of um fuck my mind is, I'm, I'm just blanking right now. What is the first album called again? The first LP was. Yeah, Fuck, so Deal with the Devil's a seven inch first LP is Darker Half. Darker Half. When Darker Half came yeah. out, the video of the Darker Half release show. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah. There's like they start. It's like da 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 ba bam bada, bada, bada. Bada. And then you <laughs> see Franz is there, fucking skanky on stage, uh-huh. and everything. 
that went, I mean, that went, and I think he like throws his bucket hat. Like as kids, we were watching that being like, bro, this is crazy. Like, mm-hmm. and so they came and toured. They were one of the bands that really had a good relationship with Australia, toured here multiple times. And um, they, you know, Ricky knew uh, Dennis and Kane, you know, through that. And like, I w- it was funny because I'd never actually properly met Ricky in person, but we were always there. We, we would like mosh and run in front oh, of him. Oh shit, okay. Him. But I never actually met him. Yeah. And um, anyways, that show in Melbourne, I think, I believe it was around then that kind of message Dennis was like, what's up with speed, bro? Like, what's, what are you guys doing? And then anyways, we played two more shows after that with uh, Regulate and Crust. Regulate oh, yeah. and Crust came here, did a tour mm-hmm. here, which was mad. And got to meet all those guys, which was, which was really special too. And then, um, and then obviously COVID hit in like March. And so we did like, yeah, five, six shows and then re- COVID. And um, Ricky... Ricky called me like in, in, in like April or May of COVID. And it was like when the lockdowns were so crazy, like, yeah, especially, you know, especially in Australia, you're real lockdown. Our lockdowns were going even crazier, like, uh, like a year later and stuff. And oh, like, straight like, up. Yeah. But I mean, like, you know, like that first period when COVID was happening and there's like weird period of uncertainty and you're seeing all these pictures of like people taking out stretches in mor- going to morgues and like the morgues mm-hmm. were filling up and like, New York was, was, was like going skits at that time, I remember. Oh, yeah, yeah, man. It was crazy shit, dude. It was bleak yeah. as. And I remember Ricky, Ricky calling me like so late at night. And I'm on this phone call and he's like calling me about trying to sign speed, you know, and talking about it. And the first question he asked was like, can you guys tour? And we're like, yeah, we want to. And like, but like, bro, we can't even leave our house at the moment. You know what I mean? And he wanted to sign speed. Like, he, and, you know, we talked about it and. And he wanted to sign Speed and like, I was, I couldn't believe it. And it was insane. You know, talk about a label that put out the TUI backtrack and minus demo, you know what I mean? And all the extermination comms and all the other bands that they've had since then, it's like legendary. And I'm like, bro, like this is, this is a, this is a spin out that we're going to like getting this kind of conversation now in the, in the highest point of uncertainty. And I said to him on that phone call, I was like, Ricky, we're going to do this, bro. I'm going to run it hard. I'm going to run it straight for flat spot. I'm not going to look back. You know, if we do this, you know, we're on the team, man. Like we here in our, our record label in Australia is last ride record. That's right. Yeah. Like my other, my best friend, Maddo as well, Tom Maddox, who like started going to shows with as well. And he's been doing, you know, this out of his bedroom, you know, just again, purely out of nothing but the love for it. And we're like, you know, we're doing last ride. We're going to go hard with it. We're going to fucking do this the right way. And I said the same thing to Ricky. I was like, we're not going to look back, bro. We're going to do this and we're going to run straight. And and he signed us and it was amazing and they put out our 2020 flex and it it was just insane to have American representation like that and I think people started to like that was during COVID as well yep. and anyways like I, I think like going into COVID we recognized like there was a huge buzz in Australia there was a huge buzz with hardcore in Australia and like Josh and I in the band like didn't we were trying to find ways like how do we keep this kind of going you know keep the momentum going in the absence of shows we started a podcast that's called Forge Ahead and this was like, it was like, you know, if we can't fucking do any shows, if we can't be together, we can at least talk about it and just like keep communication going when we're all in our own houses and that was just what it was. Just let's have conversation and do that and we're just fucking normal people as you know, just like you and me, just trying to, just trying to stay connected in a time when, you know, everything's like displaced and no one knows and that was crazy because you're like locked in your house and we're doing this podcast just talking to people all over. I felt like I was having more conversations now with people I'd seen at shows and just everything in the community than I had like being at shows. And 
um, it wasn't the speed podcast, but I guess we were just trying to channel all of the, the values and, you know, ethics that we have into this and sure. kind of try harbor the sense of community going forward around the country. And yeah, like, I guess the next thing after that was we, we, we after the 2020 flex through the podcast, we reconnected with a good friend, Peter Bordy, who sang in a, a really legendary hardcore band from Sydney called No Apologies. Okay. And No Apologies is also one of the only other bands that played Sound Fury from Australia. They played gotcha. in seven. Oh, whoa. It's like maybe like first year. Damn, crazy. All right. Yeah. And and they are, you got to listen to No Apologies now. I'll check it out. I'll, I'll, I'll look it up they, right now. They are un, unbelievable. And All right. Fuck yeah. They came up like during the Parkway era. Anyways, we got in touch with him again through the podcast and then he was like, I'm going to start this seven, this like compilation, Australian hardcore compilation called This Is Australia again. And the first one, it was like, it's like a compilation where bands just do one minute songs. Mm-hmm. And the first one had like Parkway Drive, 50 Lines, No Apologies, some, Blackout, some other bands on it. You're going to do it again and it just had the current, current gen of hardcore. And so I was like, okay, one minute song. So let's just fucking try and write a one minute song for speed. Let's bust it out. <laughs> so just tried to write, and that's how we wrote We See You. Uh, and then... I I never ever ever thought like I I I like said this to to you know friends being like hardcore bands shouldn't do music videos bro like the music video is the live set the music video is what you see in the set like that's the live set is a is a version of a hardcore band music video right but but when we wrote that song and I heard it played back to me like when we recorded I was like I could just see this video in my head like, I could just see it. I don't know why I could just see it and I was like yeah I think we got to do this video and then anyways. Because we couldn't do anything as well. We couldn't have live sets. Like, we were in lockdown sure. still. And I was like, I could see this video and I fucking ummed and about it for ages because I was like, I don't know how the guy's going to feel about it. Like, I fucking, I, I don't know. The re- we wrote the song in like, I don't know, fucking May or June. The thing was meant to come out in August. It kept getting delayed as compilations always do. And then it got to like December and I was sitting on this vi- idea in my head that I was too scared to talk to the other guys about. I mentioned it to Aaron and Aaron was like, yeah, fresh, let's do it. And I was just scared because I didn't think the guys would be on board. Anyway, it got to December and I was like, fuck it. This thing's going to come out sometime. Like, guys, I got this idea for this video. What do you guys reckon? And they're like, yeah, let's go. Fucking no, let's go. It sounds mad. So we just did it. And I just got my man, Rudzi, like Rudzi at the saddest day on Instagram who came with us to America as well. And I was like, bro, I want to do this video like this. Just post it up in a day. Just film this video in Sydney in a day. And I was like, fuck, like, it looks pretty fresh. Like, I I like it, but like, I, I like, there's going to be some mad haters on this. And I not that I give a fuck, but like, you know, like whatever. Like, were there, were there any? Bro, like, so by the time we dropped it, then like when we dropped it in like June. So like a six, another six months later, I think it was June of last year, 2021. Yeah. That fully went actual viral. Dog. Like, I mean, not to say that was my first initiation with y'all. And I think it was a lot of people's first initiation with y'all. Yeah. And you see the video and, I, and it's funny the the TUI sound is in there and like in, the, in like your music, but I remember watching the video and I was like, Oh, I can visually tell that they like that band. Like I, I was, <laughs> I was like, I was like, that's sick. I was like, I'm, I'm, I was a like, huge, like hanging out like the, the car window and shit. And I was like, dude, if I love this, I was, I was, I was in. So yeah, that was, that, you. that was a good, that video. I, I feel like, you, I feel like people look forward to y'all's music videos as much as they look forward to y'all's like music and like live sets and shit. And you can't say that about, let's say 98% of hardcore bands, but it, y'all own it. 
so I think people like really they they latch onto it. Thank you, thank you so much, man. No like, doubt, I, bro. I didn't. I. It's funny you say that because it was like the 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 the, 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 the kind of references for that were just like Bar has a shades of gray punishment mm-hmm. and like Mad Ball. You can like, tell down by law. It's like earlier videos. Like it was yeah. that. Like, we were just like the when we were walking across the Harbour Bridge. Like the Harbour Bridge is our book and bridge. That's like the Biohazard video. Yep. That was mm-hmm. just what we were like when they're just like stair diving on each other and stuff. Uh-huh. And that, that was just what we were trying to do. Like that. And that yeah. really is like the kind of V textbook. Like that Biohazard Mad and like for what Speed's really doing, just with a modern exterior of like the energy of TUI. I guess if you were to like fucking break it down. But you know, like I, I, I. I I don't know. I expected it to be on catatonic use or some shit or whatever. And when we put it out, it just went fucking, I just, I talked about this a few times now, but like, I just, I, it was so mental. I remember we posted the video as I was parked out the front of school before my first lesson. I was like, all right, post. And I remember like, even like, even with like Ricky, like, cause, cause he was coming out on last ride, like here in Australia. Yeah. Like I didn't, like, I was like, oh, Ricky, we did this video. He's like, okay, cool. And I was like, all right, we're going to post this video tomorrow. And he's like, oh, okay, cool. And I was like, yeah, here's the video. Made a, tra- like, made like this little trailer thing for it on iMovie, like fucking 12 a.m. night before whatever. Got to school, post, posted it in my car. So we went, before we went, before I went to do my first lesson. And then turn my phone, check my phone in like, you know, a couple hours in and it was like fully fucking, like my phone was exploding. <laughs> Lit like, up. Shit was a Christmas tree, was, bro. Yeah, man. It was like, I was like, what the fuck? Like 400 shares. Like what the fuck? And then like an hour later, refreshing, it was like a thousand shares. I was like, what the fuck is happening? What? And then like thousands and thousands of shares later. And then like just the most crazy, like everything from rappers to producers to brands to like people, like people were trying, people in Sydney, like South Sydney and shit are trying to like hook us up with their Cadillacs and stuff to shoot with. And like, <laughs> oh shit. Like, like, yeah. like, this, like car businesses are hitting us up and stuff. Like, <laughs> That's you know I mean? so <laughs> fucking dope, dude. Oh my God. Seriously, it was so insane. And then just like literally like actual full rappers and stuff and like hitting us up and like producers and like just managers of like all this hip hop acts around Australia trying to hit us up. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? And I couldn't sleep for three days. It was so insane. Like it was so really like I was driving home from that first day of teaching with so much confusion and excitement and I was just had energy that I was con- trying to contain myself teaching and also just realizing something's happening that I couldn't explain. Just driving home, just screaming in my car, just being like, ah, like what is this? <laughs> Calling Dennis and Dennis is like on his life. was like, bro, do you understand what's happening? This fucking psycho. Like what the fuck? Like change our lives, bro. Like, so like I thought people were going to shit on it and like, People fuck with it, man. Like, oh, they yeah. fuck with it heavy, bro. <laughs> like, friends yeah. in like friends in UK who are messaging me, showing screenshots of like bands over there talking about it, and then just like in America and Europe, like Asia, like I don't know, man. That was just something, and I just, I just, I don't know. And then after that, it just, yeah, we were still in lockdown as I said, but then we we booked a show, and then that like the two hundred cat room that sold out in a couple of hours. This was in between lockdowns. We did one show in between. Oh, that's lockdowns. right. Y'all had two lockdowns. That's right. It's, we had like two or three, bro. Yeah, right. It's fucking, I'm sorry, dude. It's fucking nah, crazy. It's, it seems like a lifetime ago now. It was literally, think about it, it was literally last year. But anyways, and then from there, like it just, I just kept going, man. Like we did another show at the end of last year, six months after that video came out. That's, that was like the land that was 
So we played the same venue, I guess, that we opened for Terra, like at the end of lockdown. Oh, so before before COVID, mm-hmm. like coming out of COVID, our first show was the same venue, and then like we were the the the, the headlining band, I guess, the last band, mm-hmm. and that sold out in like four hours or something. So and I was sick. like, "What is happening?" And then like brought, brought Sydney back to life, bro. <laughs> it just, I like it was. I just can't like. It's just it's just really insane because it's just like I. I just never thought that this kind of thing would ever happen. It was like, I, I couldn't believe it was so positive was the response, but like, it's just, it's, it's such a, it's such a fucking heartwarming and gratifying experience because all our friends are involved and we're just doing this because we just, we're just, we're just trying to be a hardcore band. Like, 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 like we're so intentional about being a hardcore band ace because it, because they, as I said, it, like people, like hardcore fell out for so long. In Australia, I think a lot of people didn't really understand it. The music industry doesn't understand what hardcore is here, and there's barely any mm. hardcore bands going around. You know, so you know, like it, like a lot of bands here, like have booking agents and and like I'm not, not not hardcore bands, like booking agents and managers, all this kind of shit before they even have fucking music and shit. Like they insane. And I'm like, bro, the the organic like 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 scene, like you know, underground scene, like I felt like was missing. You know. Yeah, for hardcore at least, and we've just been so intentional about saying, like, claiming we are hardcore band, we're Sydney hardcore, we are hardcore band because we're not. This is how it operates. This is what we are. This is the ethics. This is how we do shit. Just so you know, like that's that's why we're just trying to be a hardcore band. You know what I'm saying? Like that's. And it's like you look at you look at Speed Man, and it's like it, you didn't get to where you were because like some manager put your name like up for like, you know, like a support tour situation, mm. probably like something that would have happened for endless heights. You know, it, it's like, it's not like mm. somebody was there, like, you know, like doing something like that. It's you literally made a one minute video and put it on the internet. And then every, then like everybody just through the organic nature of the, of the scene worldwide is making people know about you. We're going to get to it like here shortly, but it's like you play a set at a festival in America and it goes gangbusters. And then you have people just filming it and sharing it. It's not like someone's like, okay, like we need to try to pump this band to like these markets, X, Y, Z, whatever, blah, blah, blah. It's entirely organic. It's entirely hardcore. And it's just like, I, I think one of the things that I like the most about speed is the fact that I'm like, Oh, this band is operating not only in sound, like the bands that they're emulating, but how those bands operated too. Like when, when, you know, during that like 2010 era, like late two thousands, you know, era, it was like, it was far more organic then. And it's like, Mm. it, it, as someone that's been around since then, I'm like, Oh, I'm happy to see that that still works. You know, because the day that that stops being a thing is going to be a real bummer when that, when people are doing what you're talking about, when they're getting agents before they even have music and shit like that. And it's like, you know, it, it's, it's cool to see. Absolutely, man. And it, that's why I mean, it's the biggest G up ever, because it's like, we're not trying to like, I, I think all of the quote unquote success that you're seeing while we speak, like we've I've never spent a cent in marketing, but I never paid for an ad before or anything like, like it is a testament too hardcore it's a testament to what this is because like like i I, I, like now that we're like you know that that things is kind of going to another level in australia at least here like we have all these eyes in the industry on us and stuff like it's it's a spin out to me that they're tripping that we're like selling out tickets and that we're like selling out records and doing stuff and doing like i guess quote numbers or like what do you want to call it like like, they're like freaking out about it and i'm like bro this is hardcore man like you're have you ever heard of like 
Gulch or like Tsunami or like what these other bands are doing over there. They don't even have fucking social media pages, bro. Like they're doing oh, like yeah. 10 times what this is. You know what I mean? Like, like it, it, it really shows kind of the disparity between like, like they, they, like it feels like people over here in the industry can't reckon with the fact that like we have like X amount of plays, but we're doing X amount of tickets. Like we're like, like, like just like streaming and stuff. Like, I, like all these kind of words like that are just so like strange markers to me or how you yeah, gauge. It sucks it. Just in general. You know? Like, but just like yeah. they, I don't like like they're talking like that. I'm like, bro, you just go to a show. We just go to a show. You mosh. You just like you 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 buy the merch. You like you know you want to own it like. You just, but you're part of it. Like, it's a community, communal thing. I don't like. I don't know what to say to you, man. Like, it's not... We're not here crunching numbers trying to do this you, and that. You can't we're manufacture here. it, you know? Yeah. It, it's got to be grown. It's just... And I, if, if you want it the real way, you know? Yeah, exactly. And, I, and I, I'm, I'm... It is... It is really inexplainable in some ways to say, like, what's happening now, not just with Speed, but with every... All the other hardcore bands that you're seeing. Sound and Fury is an amazing testament to that. You've got a festival that's half the lineup was born out of COVID. The two headliners have one LP. What the fuck, bro? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like 5,000 people at a show like that, you know, with that yeah. kind of like energy. Like that's like, I think people want something real. I think people want something that's authentic, that's not manufactured. People have been like, you know, maybe depraved or just used to seeing things that were like sensationalized and, you know, like, I don't know if it was, I, I, I don't know what it was, but people like want something that's tangible and real. They can feel like you're talking about those shows in LA that like, mm-hmm. like that look like the apocalypse, you know, yep. the, like the, those uh, c- uh, dead city shows and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, bro, that like shit, that. That shit didn't even have a public address. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, yeah. It, it's like that, like the, the, sh- like the, the RBS gig, like gigs to uh, up here. Like, you know, it's like all that stuff was just, word of mouth organic and like thousands of people showed up up to that yeah. stuff i mean honestly I, a lot of people won't, might disagree with me on this but i think in regards to hardcore maybe music in general uh that time away because of lockdown i think maybe like i, I can i can only speak kind of my own personal experience my love for hardcore never really wanes it just stays the same or whatever but i know not everybody's like me but i will say it's like you know in, in the scene where i book most of my shows uh in richmond like i look back at lockdown and being like that was a necess- that was a necessary evil and it, like you know for the reason being that people that didn't want to be around anymore kind of took that time period as a time period to be like yeah i'm out and I was like, that's cool. I, nobody wants the person that's still going to gigs that is just like, like you're talking about in Sydney, this shit sucks. Well, why are you here? If you don't yeah. like this, then why are you here? Like, just yeah. stay away. And then in the meantime, it, it, the people that like myself that like really love that shit. And I'm sure this happened in Sydney and other scenes as well, where it's like, oh, no, no, no. This is actually get, making me, this is reminding me that this is my home and not having not having these rooms and this music and being around these people is actually a, a, like makes my life worse so yeah. you know i'm dedicated to it and then third kind of third from that i think it also gave kids an opportunity to find it on their own without i can't even want to say this because i feel like i used to think completely opposite of this i think it gave younger people an opportunity to discover hardcore during lockdown without some encountering like some older person at a show that was like, Oh, the shit you like is garbage or like 
you know, like having kind of like, like a negative influence on them or whatever. It's like younger people found it through like TikTok or Instagram or, or whatever the fuck. And then we're like, oh, when those happen again, I got to show up. Yes. And I think that's why there was such an influx. And maybe, maybe even there's people that were like, I'm out before lockdown. They were like, I'm done. And then they realize when they don't have the opportunity, they're like, wait a second. Now that that, now that I don't even, now that I don't have the choice, I'm sitting here thinking, I actually care about that shit a lot. And maybe I just needed a break or something. And then, cause I, they, and like, I've seen people that were gone, come back, mm. you know? So, uh, I, I think those shows, and I think that, I think that probably was a thing with speed too, where maybe there's people that like looked at speed and being like, Oh, this is exciting. This is fun. This is organic. I've been cooped up for such a long time. Like, you know, I got to go to these gigs. I got to, yeah. I got to see the music video, but in real life, you know, kind yeah. of thing. So yeah. no, you're, you're, you're right. You're right, bro. And with the, the, the COVID made COVID was the best thing that happened to Australian hardcore and, and hardcore in general, bro. I really think like it, it, I agree. When you, when you, when you, when you are, when you are depraved of the sense of belonging for so long to the extreme, you know, and you, you're yearning for community and a sense of connection in the truest form is, is, is at its all time peak. And then you find something like hardcore, Wow, like it's a, as I said, it's a testament to just what this is, and it just really has just made. That's why I've, I love it more and more every day because I'm like, as I'm getting older, this is more important to me because everyone I love in my life, other than my people that I was born, you know, with, like my my blood family, like I know through this, you know, like yep, same. I, and I and I feel so. I, everything I have is because of my friends and my family and, and the people I love, and it all some way comes from this, and it, it hasn't waved. It, it like it's. For the first few years, maybe you kind of questioned that, but I'm so old now. It's been so, not so old, but I just mean it's been 15, 16, 17 years of going to shows now and it's not changing. Like it has to mean something more than half my life, you know? So that's why we're so charged about this and that's why we just want to share it. That's why we think it has a place. That's why we believe in it. And and it's just, it's just a, I, 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 I get at a loss for words to even be able to just explain just the experience of what's happening right now and with, with, with it and because it's, it does it, all the more it, it feels crazy because it feels like I, 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 when you have hardcore like you 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 know when like a, a hardcore band like goes and supports a, a bigger band or something like it's not just oh that band's sick it's like it feels like almost like a win for the community you know when right. Turnstile gets on the late night show with you know with 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 Seth Kono everyone's behind it because it's like one of us made it, you know what I mean? One of us is doing this. That's mad. I know, you know these I mean? people, you know? Yeah. yeah. I've like, you know, like, yeah, exactly. And that's the thing that's like, I don't know if that really inhibits other culture, subgenres and subcultures. Like I don't, the sense I don't, of communal, like not to the level it is in hardcore. I don't think, I think it exists maybe a little bit, but not to like, not to where it's cool. Cause the thing is, is the, the thing about hardcore that's different than every other genre of music is at least the appeal to me growing up and the appeal for me now is I go to a show and I look at the people on the stage. Doesn't matter how big that show is because it's a hardcore show. I'm like, we're, we're, we're on the same eye level. Yeah. But you go to any other, other type of gig and it's like the, the I am supposed to be looking up at whoever yeah. is on that stage, hip hop gig, even like metal gigs and stuff, whatever. Yeah. But when you're at a hardcore show, it's like, Nope, those are people just like me. Yes. And just like everybody else in this room. Yes. And that's something that's something severely special. Before we wrap up here, I, I want to talk about uh, y'all coming to Sound and Fury, coming to America 
and the, the recent shows that y'all been doing in Australia. Mm. Um, so you, you came over to uh, play Sound and Fury at, like, at the end of July, and you did Sound and Fury. You did, uh, an, did, did you do Sound and Fury and just the Bay, or did you do another L.A. show as well? Uh, the, we did a Sound and Fury after show, which was at um, with a Flashback Showcase. That's right. That's right. Regulate yeah. Scout and, and, and all that. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, yeah, I mean, like, you know, obviously people have seen the videos and everything like that. You had an insane set. I, away from maybe Parkway Drive, maybe one of the best sets in Australian band that isn't like ACDC or something is like like in America, you know, kind of thing. Like uh, that's crazy. That's that's a crazy way to put it, man. Well, if you I'm think about, about it, that, though. Is, um, I yeah, I, I, it's it's a dream. I don't, I don't. It's it's more than a movie, bro. It's it's, it's a dream. I don't know. It's more than it, a dream. I never, I never, I never. Never even in my dreams as a kid, I think that something like this would happen, bro. Like what? I don't know. Yeah, it was just fuck, bro. I don't. Know. As I, said, <laughs> I mean, that, that, that's enough right there, bro. I mean, yeah, people yeah. watch it. It's just, and a lot of people have already seen it. But it was like, like that was crazy. You did the flat spot showcase. You kind that's kind of cool because you got to do like big gig, and then do like more like quote unquote like intimate setting, you know, sure. kind of. So you got, so you so you talk about experiencing American hardcore. Yeah, Sound and Fury is like pinnacle type shit. So it's like you're experiencing American hardcore, but it's like not every show is like Sound and Fury. Of course, of course. So then you get to go do the like the after gig, and it's like okay, yeah. now I'm like playing just like a like a show in America. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he did that with with the with the lineup that's like pretty. It's like pretty indicative of like what like America's into right now too. So that that's that's good because you get the kind of experience like like yeah. I think I think regulate and I'm I'm biased because I've like grown up with those guys, but it's like that's like quintessent it's like hardcore. They're like Amazing. a hardcore yeah. oh man it's just absolutely live game on another level. Seb is one of the best in the genre of all time. Like, you know, ill shit. Um so you did that uh and, and like that looked cool. And then, you know, you guys just came up to the Bay for a day yep. or a few days, I think. It's just like hanging out or whatever. Yep, 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 yep. You can play X-Bar yep. here. That was outstanding. It was glorious. Thank you. Oh, Thank it you. was we, beautiful. Yeah, we, we, we didn't want to tour. We didn't want to do a, a full tour. We like, um, you know, I think a big part of the mentality for Speed has been, you know, if we want, if we want, you know, we, we don't want it just to be a short-lived thing. We want hardcore, like, the as I said, like, well, one thing we've always said with Speed is that it, by the time we finish up, we're only going to finish up once we know that hardcore is at a, at a stage in Australia that we're self-sufficient. We want, we, we, if Speed was to finish up tomorrow and people stop going to shows and 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 and, the, uh, and every other band shows on the weekends and stuff like start to filter out again, it would be for nothing. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It'd be for nothing. So, right. you know, we, we we have a strategy and like not a, like we have like a, a an approach where we just really try and want to make a create an urgency about hardcore an urgency here people like you need you love it you need to be there you don't want to miss it and and, and you fall in love with it even more because of that and we try to apply that to america um and it's a different landscape of there i know but like when we got asked to do sound of fear i was like let's just, just do the show let's just do this show um martin and, and 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 not tour and make this the only show and we'll see how it goes you know and and i don't know I guess you could say it worked, bro. It fucking, I, I don't even know, Definitely. man. Like it just, it was just in, it was, it was, yeah, it, yeah, it was, it was amazing. And then, and then San Jose is a, is, is a scene that we've looked up to for so long, especially during COVID to seeing what they have done. They, they oh yeah, fans. man. 
is inspiring and it's incredible and it's a new wave, a new generation of, you know, new faces in the mix and creating shit for your own scene and all that. And, you know, like, yeah. So experiencing San Jose is, yeah, experiencing San Jose is really interesting because it's like, you know, like my two seeds are like the Bay Area scene and, and Richmond, like like mainly Richmond. But like coming here, it's like uh, like the the I'm like one of the older people that like comes around. Like I'm like 33. I'm like one of the older people that comes around and gig. The scene here is like a lot of like like younger people, people just a little bit younger than me too. Um, like I think I think Cole from Gold's just like around my age. But like, but like it's like. You know, it, it, it's it's seeing like all these people kind of like very organically not have like an old guard handing stuff down or whatever. It's like they, all those bands, Tsunami, like Drain, you know, like Scowl and stuff. Those people all made that shit themselves. It's um, yeah, it's 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 really crazy to see. And it's like Richmond. It's like more like you have like you you see generations of people at shows. Like you'll you'll have like like the naysayer brace war people I gig. So you kind of yeah. got like that age of people. And then yeah. you got, you know, like, like, uh, like the DOMH, you know, division of my age yeah. people. And then like the downfall killing pace type. So it's like, yeah, yeah. it spans more like time. And maybe that's like, I, I don't know. Maybe it's, it's just because it's, it's like, like East coast and West coast are different, but it, it's so it, it's, it's, I feel like San Jose, I can't speak to the entire history of, of, of Barry of shit, but it's like probably feels maybe similar to what Sydney's like now where there's a lot of younger, newer people latching on to what's happening right now. It feels, it was, it was a spin up being there. It felt very similar in terms of the vibe. Interesting. Really okay. Yeah. That, that very helps very me kind of con- like compartmentalize and contextualize. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I get that. Yeah. I get yeah. that. So you recently did, it's like your first, I mean, Speed's only played like, what, like 15 shows in general? At yeah, this point? 15th show was San Fury. I think we've done 17 shows now. Okay, so now you've played, you're, you've been playing more with AWOL in Australia. Yeah. You know, how have, how have those been, you know, tell me about those. How have those been going? Uh, just in, like we did one show last week, which the first show, we're only doing four shows, Brisbane, Sydney, mm-hmm. Brisbane last week, Sydney today, Melbourne next week, and then Adelaide the week after, and just fucking amazing, man! Like absolutely incredible. Like just, I, I just, just so like, yeah, best hardcore show I've, I've been to last week was in Brisbane. Like last best hardcore show in Brisbane, yeah, was last week, and then tonight's gonna be fucking off his head, and like, where's tonight? In Sydney. Yeah. Okay. So, so like hometown shit. This will be. This is coming out a week after this records, but like, uh. You know, so it's like if if you're listening and you were at that show, I'm sure it was great. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm sure it was. I, I don't know. Yeah, like the, we announced the tour when we were in LA, and like it sold out like in a day. Like some of the shows That's were selling out in like four nuts. hours or something. It was so nuts, man. It was. It's, it's really an. It's really a. Yeah. Fuck. I don't even. It's just. It's just. It's just mind blowing. And it's What's? Just, sorry. Go ahead. No. This. This. Yeah, it's that's 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 literally it, man. It's it's, it's a wall fucking amazing. Our friends that we're all that are all playing the shows with us are like all awesome bands, and I just hope that any eyes that come to speed, you know, at the shows or on the flyers at least, or just on the me- social media, like just fucking just look a little bit lower, a couple centimeters lower, scroll down a bit, and just look at all the other bands you know that we have in our scene in Sydney and around because. For whatever reason, we're just the one that just kind of just like was able to just slip, to, like just 
poke out, you know, and mm-hmm. and, 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 and do a thing. But there's ba- there's been bands here forever and there's currently bands and there's more and more new bands that are popping up that are fucking incredible from Australia. And I, yeah, I just, if there's one favor anyone in listening could ever do is just do yourself a favor. Go check out more Australian hardcore. And I, th- I think that's a, it's a wonderful place to, to, to leave it. it it's like a, speed is broken open the gates for people to kind of access, you know, it's like obviously something good's going on down there with you guys being the flag bearers. Um, and, uh, and the future is, you know, super bright for speed. Jim want to thank you so much for being here. Uh, you know, can't wait to see speed again and uh, you know, uh, appreciate you telling me your journey. Ace, I, I appreciate that, man. It, as I said, it's been an honor. It's been a privilege. I've been looking forward to this. I really, 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 I, I really appreciate it, man. It's been a special conversation, and um, and I and I can't thank you enough. It's it's and thank you to everybody in America as well and around the world who's who's who's, you know, caught on to speed and everything we're doing. It it, it is, it's an ex- an insane experience right now. And and if we ever meet, just know I'm fucking one of you. I'm a hardcore kid. That's it. That's all we are. So. Let's, let's, let's link and have a good time. <laughs> Beautiful. Never be ashamed to be hardcore. Until next time, everybody, stay safe.